Good to have you along here. It is three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. And there is a lot to get to on the show. The Jags and Urban Meyer back in the news. And whenever you put that in a sentence, that's usually not a good thing. Uh, When you have to say the Jags and Urban Meyer at this point, it's not good. And well, the Jags are being sued because of Urban Meyer. So we'll get to that. Uh, ben coming up in in just a little bit. We'll also talk with Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, uh, covers Georgia Tech. We'll look at the ACC uh, experiment. I say experimenting, but discussing going to a different kind of scheduling model in which you have three constant opponents, so you get three kind of set rivals, and then you rotate five games uh, each and every year to try to rotate through the league a lot faster. Of course, as, as people know, in a lot of these models, the SEC, the ACC that they're currently using, the conferences are so big, uh, that you may go nearly an entire decade or longer before a team comes to your home stadium. I think uh, Texas A&M has been in the league, what, almost a decade, and they just went to Athens, I think, two years ago. And that's the only time they've been. And everybody's like, well, they'll be back in another decade. It's like, well, how do you, uh, you know, generate rivalries that way when you don't play teams? But, you know, I think in the SEC, it was like twice every 16 years you would play uh, a team that's not on your your common rotator. So, I mean, that's tough. Uh, and we'll see what the SEC does because they're going to have a problem, uh, Ben, coming when Texas A&M and Oklahoma come in. You're not going to be able to just, if you want to preserve rivalries and keep some teams playing each other, there's no way you're going to be able to stay with the current model. ACC uh, going to look at going to a different model. Does that mean divisions are going away? Could be. That would be. A, I think that would be a fun thing uh, to dive into uh, with college football. Get the true best champion coming out of your league with the two best teams. I mean, there's times uh, in years past in the SEC, especially in the ACC, you can say, hey, two best teams were in the Atlantic Division. Two best teams were in the SEC West. Why not have them play for the SEC Championship? And in this case, there would be no SEC West. It would just be, you know, Alabama and LSU are just going to play for the championship. Or, or it would be Georgia and Florida playing for the championship or something like that under that scenario. So we'll talk to Kelly Quinlan about that coming up in just a little bit. Of course, name, image, likeness, coaches weighing in on that as well. Ben, good to have you. I know that was a long uh, kind of rant there at the beginning of the show, but uh, glad, glad you're, glad you're no, no, with Kevin, us here. Listen, listen, listen. I mean, listen, ever since, two things. Ever since that we started buying horses and naming them, you know, and we got a, and you got a bowl game coming up in Vegas, Kevin be on the soapbox going, listen, I got a lot on my mind. I have to deal with a lot during the day. If I want to get it out, I'm going to get it. But Kevin, even going back to what you were saying about the ACC, are you telling me that Clemson have, quote, a bad year and no more division? That's it. No more Coastal. No more Atlantic. We ain't doing it. We're doing away with it. But I will say this. I kind of actually like that because let's let's face it. If you want to reward teams for being good each and every year, you can't have you can't have the you can't have Coastal and Atlantic because you know it's gonna favor Clemson in one side and whoever can whoever whoever knows on the other side. I kind of like what it's doing, but old Scott Strickland. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, old Greg Sankey. Oh, you know, if the ACC do something like that, Kevin, you know the SEC already had something like that in the works. Of course we was going to get – because you know with Texas and Oklahoma coming, you can't just keep it the East and the West. But whoever gets in with Alabama or Georgia – I'm sorry, Florida. You're going to be stuck with Georgia no matter what. It's going to get a little ugly. Look, hey, I I know the – well, the SEC is going to have to do something because when Texas and Oklahoma come in – you just can't schedule the way you've been scheduling. I actually don't mind having no division. It's going to take a minute to get used to saying, hey, there wouldn't be an SEC West or East. And I don't think 
even if you're divided into pods, I don't think anybody's going to go, hey, we're in pod A or whatever. I, I don't think anybody's going to do that. It'll just be, hey, these are our common opponents, and, uh, and that's who we're going to play. But, no, the SEC is going to have to change uh, its scheduling model. I, I actually think uh, also, Ben, and I know teams want the dubs, right? They, they want to go out and buy, buy wins. And uh, you hear people saying, well, I mean, Clemson and South Carolina got to play. Florida and Florida State got to play. Georgia Georgia Tech got to play at the end of the year. I don't want to do that. But I, I actually think if we're going to keep the playoff small, and maybe this is up for debate, and I, I would say even if you're going to have it at an eight-team playoff uh, where you look at conference champions, I would up the quotient for conferences. I would say, look, you need to play nine teams, nine games, conference schedule, get a tr- as true a champion as you possibly can, play nine games, which, I mean, you think about it, even in the SEC, if you only play nine games, that still would be six teams you're not playing <laughs> in the soon-to-be uh, further expanded SEC. So, look, I I, I, I think the ACC's uh, got a good thing going. T- to me, I, if I'm the ACC, I would play nine games. Why not? I, I think in today's age of college football as well, you want uh, you know fans to stay interested. You want fans to come. Again, let's get rid of the – and that again, that's why I'm a, a big fan of conference champions because it should be hard. It should be hard to get there. Play nine games. Get rid of a directional school. and May the best team win. And if you come out of a league with two losses or three losses out of a, a nine-game schedule, hey, maybe your league was tough. I, I, I kind of use that as blowback on the SEC sometimes when they're like, man, we play in the hardest conference in America. Well, how come two 10 and 0 te- or 12 and 0 teams keep showing up in the championship? If the conference is so tough, wouldn't it stand to reason that nobody could go through it unscathed, much less a couple of teams potentially? Or, uh, you know, I, and so... I look at it and say, I would like more conference games. And I don't know what the – it looks like the ACC right now is going to stick with eight. But I, I think, to me, moving forward in a playoff era, not a bowl era, but if you're going to go into a playoff era, give me more conference games and a truer champion to determine who, who kind of deserves to come out of your league and, and maybe who just got an easier path. I, again, I think that's because everybody – I mean, the first thing everybody says, oh, man, look at our crossovers. Oh, man, how, how do they do it? I mean, even even when you're Georgia, it's like, man, we got Alabama and Auburn this year. So and so got Mississippi State and and, uh, and Ole Miss. How'd that happen? Yeah. So it's like you, you can't please everybody. I think the more conference teams you have to play, that would eliminate some of that. And again, we'll, we'll talk to Kelly Coyle about that. But I think the ACC, to me, that's a smart move for them because divisionally, you didn't set it up very good. I I, I mean, again, I don't think so. You have a lot of, and this has been this way from the beginning. The Coastal Division has been very balanced from the time it was put together. Uh, even with Duke in there, who wasn't very, I mean, you've had, I think, seven different, everybody in the last eight years in the Coastal Division has won an ACC Coastal title. And you have Florida State and Clemson on the other side, and a bunch of teams who were trying to get up to snuff. NC State's never been, consistently been a uh, top part of the league team. They just, they just haven't. They've been good. I'm just saying that, that historically, they haven't. and. Louisville's kind of had their flashes and moments. Wake Forest yeah, is Wake Lamar, Forest, but Lamar yeah, Jackson. they yeah. had Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Wake Forest made it last year. Uh, they've had uh, you know Boston College when Matt Ryan was there. They've had their moments, but it's never really been on the whole a a kind of a balanced league. I th- you go away from that and just say, give me the two best teams. And I, I think a lot of people would say when divisions were set up, the ACC was kind of you know in, in fantasy land going, man, we could have 
Florida State and Miami playing each other every single year in this thing or a lot, and it will be golden. And it just it never happened. Um, so I, I to me, if the two best teams are Florida State and Clemson, put them in the championship game and play for it. Right? I mean, it shouldn't matter. And so I, I like that maybe they're going to have to do that. We'll talk about it uh, a little bit later. And again, if I'm an SEC fan, I, I I don't necessarily have a problem doing away with divisions either. If it means you get to play more of the SEC more often, why not? Again, I know it's tough. I, I get it. It's a, it's a tough league. But if I'm going to be in the SEC, don't you want to see Texas at least a little bit? Don't you want to see Oklahoma roll on the schedule a little bit? Like, uh, you know... Uh, so I, I think if I'm the SEC, you're going to have to do something, obviously, and I'm for no divisional play. and Just give me the two best teams in your conference to play for it at the end of the year. No, I agree, Kevin. I mean, I, I just I just think that, too, when you think about what you're saying is, you know what's going to be rough on? Like right now, you know, you got, quote, the easy teams, right? <laughs> you got teams that you can kind of pad your stats with. But you remember like – Well, you're still like going to get to play some of those teams. I mean – yeah, yeah, but but you remember like a couple of years ago we saw you know Florida's playing Arizona State, Clemson's playing UCLA. When you start when you start adding more divisional games, that's going to mean that you're going to get more out of conference games. It's going to be games that can quote as BJ would say a good loss. If if Clemson's you know no longer in a division and their out of conference is I don't know Oregon, and they lose. And Oregon, you know, does well in the Pac-12, but it's gonna it's gonna make it even worse for teams that quote need those play against those big teams to make money for their athletic departments. That's gonna go away because they're gonna be saying, "Look, if I gotta run the gauntlet and play this many teams in the conference, I got to have teams out of conference that can boost my resume if and when I do lose to them." So we'll see what it is, Kevin. But I do agree. If the best two teams just happen to fall on the same side of the conference, let them play each other. Well, there wouldn't be a side. Yeah, because so, let, let's be honest. There ain't a team on earth, not named Georgia, saying we want Alabama. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody says that, right? Clemson had a bad year and won 10 games. So I think that what they really want to do, Kevin, is boost the, boost the, the rest of the conference by saying, hey, man, we only as strong as our weakest link. And if you are Vanderbilt, I don't want to hear that nonsense. We <laughs> want that $50 million check, and I don't want to hear nothing. We're not going nowhere. Sorry, <laughs> we be getting we be getting the hell beat out of us for years. We're accustomed to it, but cut that check before the season. Starts. That's right. Show me the money. At the end of the day, is what it's all about. Hey, we got a lot to get to here on the show. Uh, we'll talk some Braves baseball a little bit later in the show. Josh Lambeau uh, is suing the Jaguars. We'll talk about that over uh, over Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer just will not go away. Uh, if you're Jacksonville, like he's been fired for a while now, and you just keep having to go back and, and harken back to Urban Meyer. So we'll get to that. When we come back, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here on this Wednesday. A lot to get to. Uh, ACC meetings going on. We'll talk about that. Uh, Kelly Quinlan uh, will join us later in the show to talk about the ACC eliminating divisional play. Some of the other concerns about uh, from coaches about, hey, are there guys getting offered uh, big NIL dollars to move while they're still on their team. And uh, some other issues that were brought up of, of you know, varying interest. I think the ACC coaches wanted to put in a, a transfer portal deadline where you had to be in the portal by a certain point. Otherwise, uh, they w- didn't think you'd be allowed to, uh, to jump in there. We'll get to that coming up in, in just a little bit. But, uh, but Ben, obviously, uh, Urban Meyer and Jacksonville in the news. And as I said jokingly, you put those two things 
in a sentence together, and that's never a good thing. And this time it's Josh Lambeau suing the Jaguars, uh, alleging that Urban Meyer, I think he had already done this, uh, kicked him out of practice uh, in, in the leg, created a hostile workplace environment with physical and verbal abuse, and is suing the Jaguars for $3.5 million in damages and emotional distress. He was released uh, back in October uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars, but nevertheless suing the Jaguars for the environment caused there by, uh, by Urban Meyer. And if you're Jacksonville, man, <laughs> you just want to move on, right? You, you just want to move forward, right? You, you, and he, he keeps coming up causing you problems. Uh, how bad was it that you're now getting sued because of your former coach? I mean, Kevin, it kind of it kind of speaks to, like, kind of like everything we talk about with the Jags last year. The fact that they was even, I mean, yes, they were still the uh, the number one overall pick in the draft, but you kick. I mean, Josh Lambo, right? You you take him. He's a kicker. And Kevin, I know it's something we talked about before the show. I, there there are things that happened last year with Urban Meyer that's never happened. He's he's he's, he's questioning guys' credentials. The same guys you hired. You also brought in Tim Tebow and Chris Doyle and Tom Coughlin, and all this craziness, right? But then Josh Lambeau goes, bro, in the, in the age of social media, you think I'm going to bring down this 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 storm of criticism I'm going to get? You kick me. Like, you kick me, and you kick me, one, because I'm a kicker, and two, because of who you are. Now, Kevin, it's still a lot got to come out about this thing, but think about this. If it was anybody other than Ur- Urban Meyer, it would be hard to believe, right? You'd be like, oh, no, because we don't know these coaches, right? Like, we only get sound bites and, and, and highlight reels of them. But Urban Meyer has a long track record of craziness, like a long track record, right? But the difference is, Kevin, the reason why we brushed on the rug, because he was winning, right? He was winning. And I'm like, make excuses for guys when they winning. Well, Josh Lambo said, dude, he kicked me. Like, what you mean? Like, kick you, kick you? Hell yeah, he kicked me. And, Kevin, this is the thing, right? 3.5 million, that sounds kind of modest, right? Like, I would have, I mean, because I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I mean, listen, I ain't never sued nobody. I hope to never get sued, by the way. But at 3.5 million, because he's suing, because last time I checked, he's suing the Jags, right? He's not suing That's Urban correct. Meyer. He's not suing Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's correct. So, 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 think, so think about the love he's still showing the Jags. And listen, I appreciate y'all, uh, but I'm going to need some of that cheese. And maybe he's not suing Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is no longer an employee. He's no longer an employee there. But this this, this is just crazy from so many different levels. Look, I've had a lot of coaches in my lifetime. I've had a lot of coaches say a lot of things to me, probably, probably you know, probably wanting to put their hands on me, but they know well, it wouldn't have been no being a true football career you put your hands on me because we I'm diving. I, I don't care who you are, put your hands on me. But I just think, Kevin, have you – Kevin? okay, Kevin, you've been around sports a long time. Have you ever heard of a of a coach kicking a player? Definitely not in pro sports, so – Yeah, not, not, yeah, not, the, not the, the pro level. And, again, I, I only go to what was put out in, the, you know, columns and articles about uh, Josh Lambo. He's like, hey, it was like a 5 out of 10 – I guess he was saying, like on a hardness scale, like about you know about halfway. So was he kidding around? Hey, still you don't do that. I I understand that, and you look at that, and I, I agree with what you said, Ben. With, with Urban Meyer, it's not so much that it would be hard to believe with with other coaches. It's just that it's it's the next thing, right? It's it's okay. We we've had all this other stuff, and now it's now it's now it's this. You know, so uh, the Jags getting sued. And I'm sure Shad Khan was, you know, probably overwhelmed to uh, have that be out in the news. 
uh, you, you know, growing across the, uh, the bottom line. Hey, your, your former, one of your former players is suing you because the workplace environment was so toxic and uh, it was, uh, you know, a, an abusive situation. My, my question to all this, Ben, has been, who else is out there? And, and again, because when you allege that a workplace environment is toxic, it's usually not just toxic towards one person, right? I mean, I'm not saying that one, it doesn't happen. But in an environment that is that big, right? I mean, this isn't a mom and pop business that has four employees and everybody kind of ganged up on one person. This is a, there's 54 guys plus practice squad guys, plus coaches, plus trainers. Plus there's a whole bunch of people that are out there uh, working day to day with an NFL team. I, I just can't imagine that it was a toxic environment for one person. Right, I mean, so so again, I'm interested to see if there's anybody else. Now, I know that players feel a certain way about putting their name out there and saying, "Hey, I'm still in the league. I'm not trying to be suing a team while I'm a part of the league." You know, I'm trying to uh, to to play in because obviously, could that have repercussions for you elsewhere? Where an owner of another team is like, "Hey, we're thinking about signing this guy. Isn't he suing one of the teams over there? Like, and we want to bring him in." Uh, so I understand that, but I, I'm interested to see if there's other people willing to put their their name on something like that about what was going on in Jacksonville. Again, you had a number of instances where you could say players were saying, like, look, Urban was not the most professional guy in terms of, and as I say professional in terms of the professional level of, yeah. uh, of, of coaching. Uh, it was more the collegiate style. Uh, uh, of coaching, and you have him telling guys, "Look, you're not going in, but I'm healthy." No, you're you're no, you're not. You're not going in. I understand that's part of the coach's job, but no real reason other than you no. Know, I and, and kind of having those conversations. So I, I think it's kind of the next thing with Urban Meyer. I did see Ben somebody put out there, and who knows? I will be the first to say, hear me clearly. This was not put out. There. No, I'm just saying. I'm saying I, I want to be be heard clearly. This was not put out there by somebody's like this is what's happening. It was just a theory put out there that said. At the end of the day, the Jags still owe Urban Meyer money. Mm-hmm. They fired him. They wanted to say, hey, they fired him for cause. If you fire somebody for cause, usually that means you don't have to pay out the remainder of the contract. I mean, Urban Meyer was not on a one-year deal. I think the Jags owe him several, several, several million dollars. You are now being sued by one of his former players. Does that give you cause? And d- does, does a by-proxy lawsuit get you out from under having to pay Urban Meyer? So I, I wonder if Shad Khan has some mixed feelings about this. Not never good to say you're being sued, but if you don't have to pay Urban anymore, because hey, I got former players saying that because of Urban Meyer, there was a abusive workplace environment, and he's suing for emotional distress and damages. That maybe it shows we fired him for cause and don't have to pay. I, again, that was just a theory put out there uh, that I that I saw, that, and it does make some level of sense. But again, if you're if you're the Jags. Anytime you see Urban Meyer, former Jags coach Urban Meyer, I think you're, oh man, like what are we about to get called out on or accused of now? And with, Doug, I mean, with Doug, you hear more about Urban Meyer, Ben, you do Doug Peterson right now uh, with, with the Jags. I, I'm sure they, they want nothing more than training camp to get started so they can show off their, uh, their draft picks, get Doug Peterson in front of a microphone on a consistent basis and forget that Urban Meyer was ever the coach. 
I mean, Kevin, I can't remember the report because this is the second report, right? Another report came out like when he first got let go. Because obviously, and let's face it, right? Like when people say, "Why ain't Josh Lambo really say that when he was when he was there?" Dude, no, everybody does that. I can't talk trash. We've all had jobs where we want to talk trash about our boss, but we got livelihoods. I can't say, "Oh, you know, hey man," when he walks out, I'm gonna tell y'all. But they, I think this is the second report because I think. It was other players talking about how crazy it was with Urban Meyer from threatening the players, you know, you, you got to, you, I will cut you or asking the coaches what their resume was. I'm like, my resume? What the hell is your resume? I'm not talking about Ohio State and Florida. I'm talking about the Jags. So it's not like, once again, Kevin, Josh Lambeau got a pretty good case. Like if I'm, a, if I'm in law school and, I, and this is my first case, I got a good shot of winning this one because like you said, I mean, Kevin, when you, because Shia Khan is like, look, man, I hope we able to just, you know, because I hope we able to be able to say because of what he did or didn't do, we don't have to pay him this money. They don't want to give him one cent of that eight million. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But Josh Lambeau, sir, you got a very, very good shot, shot to win. Your case. It'll be interesting to see, like I said. Yeah, but he's suing the Jags uh, over Umar. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to uh, to Ray. Ray, welcome to uh, to Three and Out. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, we are doing fantastic. Cool, cool. Um, some really good points made about that as far as, uh, you know, that so-called rumored put out there part about, you know, hey, maybe we had just cause for firing him and we don't have to pay him all of that money. Um, I think the key to that may be, okay, we got to pay him some, but not as much as we owe him. And I guarantee you they owe him a lot more than $3.5 million. Um, now, here's why that lawsuit might stick. Because any attorney worth their salt or their salmon-colored tie or whatever it is is going to point back to things that players said. And the biggest one is going to be your number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. When they cut Urban Meyer loose, okay? Now, remember, there was nothing positive about Urban Meyer's stay. Right. Like, can anybody remember a single positive or even neutral headline the whole time he was there? Not too many of them, no. Maybe after a win, but <laughs> right, right. But what did your number one pick say after he was cut loose? Yeah, he said it's like a new day. Yeah, yeah, he said it's a new day. He said honestly, I think everybody was just kind of ready for the chaos to stop. Okay, and get something. You know, we're, we're happy with what was it, Daryl Bevel, who was taking over. I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know. And he's like, we're happy for some stability. You know, that's paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what he said. But there you have the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, who is the biggest name in the area. You know, I mean, Doug Peterson can't even hold a candle to that name yet. Right. And I think I think that's what makes it stick. And then for Jacksonville, it may not be that you completely cut Urban Meyer off, but maybe you cut a large percentage of what you owed him in those secret negotiation rooms <laughs> where you're figuring this out. And let's be honest. The other reason why it sticks is Shad Khan is tired of hearing Urban Meyer. And why is he tired of hearing Urban Meyer? Because he hired Urban Meyer. Of course. He needs this to go away and fast. Absolutely. Ray, that was a great phone call. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And you're right. I'm going to get one of those uh, salmon color tide lawyers out there. Uh, to, <laughs> that but no, uh, you're right. I mean, yeah. this was, to Ray's point, that was a Shad Khan hire, 100%. That was his guy, and it was a disaster is that a nice way of saying it i mean that, that's probably, that's probably, that probably is nice kevin of saying the disaster because like i said i mean think about this 
Urban Meyer didn't make it a full year in the NFL. Think about that. He didn't make it a full year. Not yeah. one year. And if that was a if that was a number one overall pick, Kevin, that didn't make it a full year, you know how bad we'll be talking about that play. <laughs> oh my God, he was the we gotta treat Urban Meyer the same way. Because Kevin, is it it's not so much as Urban Meyer, it's us. We're the insane ones. We've seen this in Florida, Ohio State, but we go, nah, man. Then he goes to Cincinnati and all hell broke loose after the game. So all I'm saying is, Kevin. Mr. Lambeau, you make a point. Now they're going to go back to those sound bites. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence going to say the same thing now, but they already clipped it. We are we, we saw what you said about it being a, a new day. Doesn't mean yeah. the Lambo gonna get his money. Lambo might be trying to buy a Lambo after this. Hey man, come <laughs> holler at me, young man. Yes, uh, very well could be. We'll again. We'll see where this uh, this lawsuit goes. We'll have more on that uh, coming up later in the show. ACC meetings taking place. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff coming out. And again, what this gets talked there certainly is going to be talked about at other conferences. We'll get to that when we return. It's three and out of the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com as well. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. Streaming live as well. So we encourage you uh, to join us here uh, on the show, you can send us your thoughts at Pigskin Radio there on Twitter or 912-342-7184. We got the spring meetings going on in the ACC, uh, Ben. And I bring this up because, again, this, things that it's, it's not like the ACC is talking about things that aren't getting talked about at other conferences, right? I mean, the, the SEC, they'll, they'll, they're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about things of, of this nature. Well, but Andrew Adelson uh, covers college football, the ACC for, uh, for ESPN, was at those spring meetings and put down a, a few thoughts. They talked about eliminating the division model, which she said most people are in favor of. It's kind of an inevitability uh, when you, uh, you know, she said a few coaches didn't want to rush in and, and just do something to do it and see how it affected the league. But I think if you're the ACC, you have had a couple of instances where you could say maybe the two best teams didn't play in the conference championship game. You had a winner from both sides, but maybe there was a, a few times when the two best teams in the conference we're on the same side, and maybe they should have played. I, and I think that's one of those things where if you're talking about a playoff setting, which is where we're at, uh, we're going to be there. We're not going back. But I think when a, a lot of these divisions were set up, it was about, hey, we want our best teams to play in the conference. Uh, division winners to play in the conference championship. Winner goes to the BCS. Other goes to a high-powered bowl game or, or vice versa. You know, We'll make sure our winners get in, You know, had all these tie-ins. Now I think it's just about we need to have a team good enough to get in the conference uh, or the college football playoff, right? So if you have two of your best teams, that helps your strength of schedule playing in a conference championship game, and you would ideally have a better chance of getting one of your two best teams into the uh, the college football playoff. So uh, they talked about that, and uh, we'll get to that uh, coming up. We'll talk to Kelly Quinlan about the, the changes and what the AC is looking at. But one thing we've talked about, uh, a lot of discussion there about NIL and transfer portal. And and Ben, a lot of the ACC coaches said they are in favor of a rule that was modeled after the SEC, who came out and said, hey, a player must enter the portal by February 1st to transfer to another league school. Uh, they said, look, a player wants to leave after the season, that's fair game. But you don't want a player going through all of your spring practices with you, and then you're playing against them uh, you know, four months later. Do you think, we'll start there, do you think that is a good rule to have because, again, we've seen a number of players now transfer post-spring practice. I know you said, hey, it's an evaluation for everybody. Do you think that's a good rule, at least for 
maybe not for the player, but for coaches to say, look, I'm trying to put together a roster, and I think I have 85 guys. Three of you transfer out, uh, out after the spring game. Obviously, I can't recruit. I'm going to have to go to the transfer portal or something like that and figure out who I need. And I haven't really been recruiting anybody because I thought we were set for the fall. So how, is that a good rule to have? Kind of like, hey, you can go to the NBA draft, but you have to make a decision by this date. And if you end up not wanting to go, you have to pull your name back out. Do you think that's a, a good thing to adopt, having a February 1st cutoff date? I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a good rule, Kevin, more than I think it's a necessary rule, right? Because think about it. it, it they make a good point. If I'm going through the spring and all of a sudden I, I've gotten a good spring in me and then I leave and I go to another school, and I think it's, it has to be something. They're trying to look out for best interest of the player because you say February 1st. National signing day is what? February the 3rd? Around there Whatever, usually, yeah. Like and, you, and, 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 and listen, certain teams have come out and said, we're not recruiting high school players anymore. We're just going to go – to the portal. If I've been in college long enough, right, and I'm in these meeting rooms, I can see what's coming. So going through another spring to just have the same result, it's only it's not going to benefit me as a player. Now, when it comes to these coaches, though, like I said, I do understand that these coaches are saying, "Oh, because the talent gap and all that," which I know we're going to get into tampering and things of that nature. I don't think it's good. I think it's necessary because the players need to know. All right. Just got finished with the bowl season. I got to make a decision. Because spring is just a barometer for everybody to get reps for everybody, to, for the coaches to see. The, 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 uh, the depth chart going to be what depth chart going to be. If I've been in college long enough, because it's different for everybody. I don't like the fact that they're saying that for all players. If I'm a play, I'm still trying to figure out college. So make it different for different guys. Like, yeah, after We may have lost Ben there for a uh, for a second on his end, but yeah, I, I, look, I I think you need some kind of date just because coaches are trying to put together their roster. They're trying to figure out what needs they have, what needs they need filled. Uh, and again, I, I think with the am I going to go? Am I not going to go? The going back and forth that makes it uh, that makes it very tough. Also came up uh, with with a couple other things. Ben referenced it there, but at the uh, the ACC meetings, uh, Andrew Adelson from Andrew Adelson on Twitter. Lots of discussion about tampering as well. Every coach. I, meaning Andrew Adelson, talked to said they've had at least one player offered big money to transfer out. The bigger concern heard from coaches is the possible talent drain as a result of the big money offers out there and the effect on the league. The frustration is there's no enforcement, no way to police it, no matter how much they raise the issues and complained. Nobody could give them guidance or answers on what to do. And I think that's everybody's frustration uh, right now with, with NIL. And you say, well, it's capitalism. Well, that, that's true. But again, when you're talking about coaches and teams, you're trying to build a team. You can't go out there and if you're, I don't know, if you're Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, you can't call Lincoln Riley and go, hey, tell your boosters to stop offering my kids. <laughs> oh, which boosters is that? I don't know what you're talking about. You can't, if you're, you know, if you're uh, Coach Stoops at Kentucky, you can't call Kirby Smart and go, hey, man, some of your boosters are offering big cash to my starting linebacker to transfer out. Stop. Like, you can't do that, right? You, you can't call other teams and ask about their boosters and what they're doing. So I, I think that's one of those things where coaches are saying, look, are we going to lose to the highest bidder every year? Like, we, it's kind of one of those things that I think you hear from a lot of fans that get frustrated with the Major League Baseball model 
when you're talking about competitive. Hey, you went to Kentucky, you went to Vanderbilt. We spent two years developing you, working with you, going through our weight program, and then you played well, and now a, a booster from Georgia calls you. While you're enrolled with us, by the way, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying Georgia's an example. Just an example. Georgia, Florida, whoever, call, gets in touch with our guy while he's still enrolled and said, hey, man, got a big NIL deal waiting on you if you just transfer out when, this thing's, uh, when the season's over. I mean, how do you, I think like I said, how do you compete with that knowing that if it happens, there's no punishment, there's no penalty, and how do you keep, as the coach has said in uh, Andrew Adelson's uh, uh, th- uh, thread there, the talent drain from happening like, hey, I'm recruiting talent. Because I know people say, well, just recruit better. Well, I'm recruiting talent, and I'm losing out to the top dollar uh, every time. So, I mean, it's much like I would imagine, Ben, like buying a home. Like, your boosters probably aren't calling up if I'm at Pitt. My boosters probably aren't calling up Southern Cal and Alabama boosters going, what kind of deal are you working for them? Because I need to be able to match that. No, they're not going to tell you. The player's not going to tell you. So how do you, how do you work in that environment? I think that's the frustration a lot of coaches are saying. And there's like, look, what are the rules? I think Dave Clawson, we'll talk about him uh, later, said, look, it's like driving down the highway and there's a speed limit that nobody enforces. Hey, it's got to go 55. Well, am I going to get pulled over if I go 70? Nope, you're not. Okay, well, then I'll just go 70. So I, I can see some of the frustration there from coaches. And to me, the biggest part, when you talk about tampering, is she said of the coaches she talked to, which I would imagine a lot of them, she said every last one of them said their top players had been contacted by somebody not from their school about signing a big-time NIL deal to transfer out. That's, that's hard. I mean, that's hard to combat uh, on a lot of levels, Ben, if you're a coach. I can, I can see their frustration on that. Well, yeah, Kevin. I mean, I think it's a difference between, you know, having a – Having rich uh, boosters <laughs> and having wealthy boosters. Sure, I think I, I, it's it's a good point now. Because let me let me tell people this: when you think about the starters in college football, when you're thinking about the starters in college football, Kevin, and you know what people say, "Oh my God!" But that backup, right? He's at the school, but it's a reason why he's not starting. Just imagine, just imagine, if even your backup, they're trying to give him money, they're trying to offer him money. And, and, it's, and Kevin, it ain't capitalism. It's manipulation. Well, because, I mean, this yeah. is, because, because this is the thing, right? And Kevin Thomas is, is, in, is at school next. 17, 18-year-old Kevin. And they saying, hey, man, I, I grew up loving wanting to go to this school. And they say, how bad do you really want to go to that school? Because we give you this. Because at the end of the day, right, let's call it what it is. It's college athletics. But if I'm getting paid, I'm going 100%, Ben. Hundred percent. Most people they get memories. Yeah. You ain't getting. You ain't getting that money yet. So Kevin, you start saying to yourself, "Look, I can't remember who we were talking to yesterday. Talking about blue chips. I think it was uh, Darren. I mean, yeah. talking about blue chips. What, right? Kevin, not only do they know what how to give you money, they know what you like. Yeah, I watched that See, last night. Went, by the way, that was <laughs> just amazing. And think about this, Kevin. Here, here you go. Here you go. Hmm. Kevin just happened to be, you know, Kevin just happened to be looking, looking, looking at a, uh, looking at a new, new, new whip. They say, hey, Kevin, man, we know you want that purple, you know, uh, you know, Lambo over there. So, hey, it's going to get ugly, Kevin, but I'm yeah. sorry. If you ain't, if you, most people want to be rich, you ain't never met nobody who's well. I was, I was watching, uh, what was it, the Ricky Rowe and Neon Badeau. Come outside, they go and that was and that was a new call back in the day, yeah. right? The, the, the whip they had outside. That was oh, yeah. the, the hottest whip. Let's back then. let's go to the phones, Ben. We got a uh, we got a phone call. Let's go to uh let's go to Rob. Rob, 
You're live here on three and out. Hey man, appreciate the time. Yes, sir. I was, I, I've been hearing you, you know, obviously, um, kind of uh, go back and forth maybe uh, with yourself about how this is going to all work out. It, look, genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, it's done. Um, you can't legislate it. You're not going to be able to, you know, regulate it. You're not going to be able to punish it. Uh, European uh, sports clubs have long been, you know, kind of separated from, from colleges, and we've been spoiled in this country for a long time with having that kind of, you know, something that we all cherished and enjoyed. Sure. And, and some, in some way or form, it will continue to exist. But uh, it, it is going to be irrecoverably changed in, you know, the NCAA is feckless. They're not going to be able to do anything with it. It is what it is. It's going to it's going to morph into what it becomes on the basis of, of who pays for it. Yeah, and again, I, I can I can understand again. I understand the capitalism aspect of it. I also understand the coaches' complaint. Like, look, I got people I don't even know talking to my players while they're still on the roster about leaving. And I, you could say, well, that happens in business uh, every day. I think from the coaches' standpoint, they're like, I'm trying to work within a set number of confines, and I don't know. What I'm going to be, I, I could have a kid transfer out two games into the season, and then what am I doing? You know? No, I, no, I, look, I, I, I played Division One football. I, I, uh, I, I understand that I, I appreciate the cohesiveness of my teammates and my team. I understand that could be changed and it already has been changed. Um, and, and again, uh, the coaches are going to have to adapt. Athletes are going to have to adapt, at least in the short term. Uh, long term, maybe there will be a fix, but, in the short term, this is what they're going to have to deal with. Complaining about it, they always saw us as athletes, and we always told athletes as coaches, don't complain, deal with what you have as a reality. And sure. I've heard a couple of, uh, of coaches and, and uh, people that are pundits you know, kind of say the same thing. Well, it, is what, it is what it is for right now. I was going to say, and, and Rob, to that end, I got about 30 seconds. Just your, your thought when you hear coaches saying, what are the rules I, 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 you know, in, in regards to this? And when everybody just kind of holds their hands up, like, well, I don't know. Like, how do you operate in a system where there's no, like, yeah, like there's, right. no, there's no inbounds, there's no out-of-bounds. It's just, I mean, yep. do I get on the phone and start wink-winking into my, my booster say, man, I've been watching tape. Go get me that guy on USC's roster right now. Like, is that, is that what we're doing? I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that's what a lot of people are going. Like, what are the rules? Are we even going to get in trouble if we kind of do something crazy and reckless? SEC will be fine. <laughs> All right, man, thanks. Hey, I appreciate the phone call. I appreciate that. We got more to come. It's three and out. Great to be back here on this Wednesday hour, too. A lot to get to on the show. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, will join us. The ACC talking about a new scheduling model, dumping the divisions. Going to a three and five, three constant opponents, five rotating. What does that mean for the ACC? What are they trying to accomplish by going to uh, that new model? Also talk about the transfer portal and uh, how that's affected uh, Jeff Collins and company. We've seen, obviously, a bunch of teams utilize the transfer portal. Jeff Collins is no different, but they had a young man in the transfer portal saying he was coming to Georgia Tech and has since transferred before, now going to Southern Cal. So before we even show, so ask Kelly Quinlan about that and uh, how that plays in this new model. Let's take three here on three and out, shall we? As we chat with uh, with Ben Troop and Ben, take one. Ross Detmers last night for the Angels threw a no hitter, which I think was the three hundred and sixty something 
no-hitter in the history of baseball. What is the hardest feat to accomplish in sports, in your opinion? Now, Kevin, just to be clear, a no-hitter is different than a perfect game, Yes, no-hitter means you can walk a guy, somebody can get on on an error, and, no, you, no, and nobody game, gets a perfect game. game is nobody got on base. Yeah, nobody, like, nobody. touches first base. They, they, I uh, mean, I, 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 listen, and I know, Kevin, I know, you know, Kobe scored 80-some points and Will scored 100, or maybe like a perfect, you know, 30 for 30 in a, in a, in a football game, in a playoff game. But a perfect game? Like, think about this. What do you say to a person, Kevin, if, if said, there's no such thing as perfection? He just did it. Yeah, well, because Major League Baseball, baseball in general, something's going to happen. Nine, I mean, that many that many hitters, that many batters, nothing. Like, the first base was just standing there going, I mean, I could have took the day off. So, for me, Kevin, <laughs> a, no hitter is incredible. But a perfect game... That is the rarest of the rare. I would go with a perfect game. Yeah, I, look, I, I I think that is right up there. I would say going like 80-plus in the NBA is, it might be the toughest thing. One, because you have to have the stamina to do it. You have five other guys who can scheme to try to stop you, right? So you can, the defense can even try to get a mismatch defensively to shut you down. And, I mean, you pretty much have to shoot it every time you come down. You become a, a, a one-man show. Uh, in a number of situations when you drop 80-plus on somebody. I mean, even Kobe's last game where he got, what, 60? He was, I mean, he was like, give me the ball. I'm going to shoot it every time. So it's like. When he shot that last one, he just wanted to lay. I'm just going to lay right here on the court. Yeah, no, no, get, no. I'm just going to lay here. Yeah, given how the league <laughs> plays defense and just just knowing how the NBA, to get 80-plus in an NBA game, I, to me, it's darn near impossible. I know Wilt did it, got 100, but, I mean, that was even a completely different era. I mean, Wilt was the tallest dude out there by yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, I, and I, listen, and, and, and now, and, and yeah, in today's NBA, you know, you've had guys score 50, maybe guys score 60. I, I get that point. Another 20 points is crazy. But, Kevin, you've been the baseball, you know, you've been the baseball guru on the show. A perfect No, perfect game, game is, is, is insane. Uh, because and, a lot can, of— Because at what point— because obviously it's still a group effort. So at what point do your other teammates out there on defense go, hey, bro, <laughs> I don't want to be the one mess this up. Because what, yeah. seventh inning? Well, after like the seventh inning, yeah, you're you, like, okay. You get they're this. not going to put – unless you're Clayton Kershaw. They're yeah. not going to pull you. And yeah. Kevin, and, then, and like you said, the hardest six – the hardest outs are the last three. But really the last six if you're I, talking about – I would say like the yeah, perfect game, like the last nine, like everybody – because everybody gets all tight because, you know, no hitters. Everybody's like, don't talk about it. Don't go over there and tell the pitcher. Like, like, and as you said, there's that factor of, I don't want to be the guy. Right? I mean, if you're looking at a quarterback, he's like, I'm 19 of 19 throwing the ball. You don't want to be the receiver that drops a pass. Didn't quite get open enough. I like You look at that and say, I don't want to be the guy that breaks that. But, I mean, a perfect game, I think as the game goes on, everybody gets tense and is like, I don't want to be the guy that allows something dumb to happen. You know, and like the ball goes between my legs. Or I don't quite get to a fly ball. Or I make a throwing mistake or something like that. And you cost a guy a perfect game. Because those things are so rare. But I still think. I don't know how many times. Again, Ben, I think it's happened, what, 26 times there's been a perfect game in Major League Baseball over 100 years. How many times have we seen 80-plus in the uh, NBA? Like, in, one, my lifetime, in my lifetime, I know Kobe didn't. Kobe had 80. 
Come I can't think 81. I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I mean as great as Michael Jordan was, he's never scored 81. As great as LeBron is, he's never scored 81. And and like I said, I mean, one of the greatest commercials of all time, Kobe Bryant in the, in the restaurant, Jalen Rose walked, because Jalen Rose was on that Toronto Raptors team. And uh, he said, oh, he said, oh, what's up, Kobe? What's going on? And the guy asked uh, Kobe, what will you be having? He goes, Apple Martini. How many olives? He goes, 81. <laughs> <laughs> He hey. goes, I'm sorry. He said, I'm just playing. I just need to. It's a joke. He gets it. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, bigger than scoring 81, you don't want to, quote, be the guy. He did it on because that you are you are attached to that person forever. So, Jalen Rose, love what you do on TV, sir. But you are, in fact, on the team that gave up 81 to a then Kobe Bryant. I, it's very difficult. Again, it's a perfect game uh, also, right? Uh, in that vein, I just think from it's 5-on-5, five five, you still have to make a shot against somebody de- guarding you. And again, at some point, you may need to have a seat and rest a minute uh, when, when you're trying to do that. All right, take two, Ben. The da- the mayor of Dallas has said, look, we could have another NFL team in Dallas. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm like, you're about to get voted out of office right now. But think about, we can support another NFL team. Is he right? Could Dallas support two NFL teams? I mean, you're only talking about the biggest Probably, again, nationwide, is there a bigger brand in the NFL? Look, the Packers are up there, but that star, you take a picture of a silver helmet with a star, most people say, that's the Dallas Cowboys. They know the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Like, nobody knows any of the other cheerleaders in the National Football League. They know the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Like, could Dallas really have two teams? Do you think that would be something the NFL would even think about? Absolutely, they'll think about it. I mean, Kevin, yes. I mean, they would go crazy to do that, right? Cause let, let, let's just call it what it is. The New York Football Giants and the New and the New York Jets—they ain't pulling their weight right now. They don't want them, right? But Kevin, it's what? Wouldn't it be fitting though? Because I know you got the Houston Texans, and don't nobody really support them for real. We're talking about Dallas, right? Let's think about it. Dallas is the you know. It's actually like two cities in one. It's like Dallas and well, yeah, Fort Worth well, just kind of spilled it, Kevin, into one I mean, another. I mean, listen, the Dallas Cowboys are the greatest regular season show you're going to – they ain't going to do much in the postseason, right? They're not going to Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is, Kevin, we've been sucked into the, quote, mystique of the Dallas Cowboys. We know they're not going to do anything, right? Oh, my God, Tony Romo. Oh, my God, Zeke. Oh, my God, Dak. They're not going to do anything. But Jerry Jones can say, yeah, man, we got another team coming. It's the curse and, of Jimmy Jones. No, 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 he wouldn't own that we, team. Jerry he, he, he would – no, he, he wouldn't be out to, he he be out to kick oh, that team in the teeth. What if, what if, what if Stephen Jones owned it? His son. <laughs> <laughs> because think about this, Kevin. Think about this right now. Stephen Jones, the son of Jerry Jones, is the president, not the GM. That is a to Jerry Jones. I ain't paying no. I'm not paying nobody to make a decision I can make on my own. So Stephen Jones says, "All right, Daddy, I'm gonna go be, you know, the Dallas whatever, uh, you know." The, listen, the Dallas boneless wings, whatever they're going to call them. I don't know what they're going to call them. But, Kevin, it would will, it will only be fitting if it is in Dallas because could you imagine that? We got to hear about two Dallas. Oh, my God. We already can't stand one. Now you got two, and then they're going to obviously have to be in the same division, and they're going to probably try to play each other. Hey, man, I, I would love it just for the chaos that will ensue because all these Dallas Cowboy fans, now we're going to have to make a decision. If the Dallas Cowboys stink and the Dallas, you know, who, you know what it is, a ball, and do you switch it? I think it would be great, Kevin. And I think the NFL would jump all over something like that. Again, you've got two teams in New York slash New Jersey, right? 
and you've got two teams in and, Los Angeles. Why not? I mean, again, we, I mean, we, you, need, you need a little brother. Right? Listen, the Mets are the little brother to the Yankees. Like, I, I guess the Jets are the little brother to the Giants, I guess. The Chargers are definitely the little brother to the Rams, right? The Clippers are the little brothers to the, to the, to the Lakers. I mean, what? It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, what would be the opposite of a star? Like, you got the, you got the star on <laughs> the helmet. What the other one going to be? A comet I mean, or I'm something? Just, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, man, you know, the Dallas Devils or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, the opposite I, I don't of the know. Cowboy, yeah. Well, I, I mean, but Kevin, listen, we, you know, we would, I, I would love to see it. I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. Not the fans, the fans get on my nerves too. They, every, it's, it's, it's going to be the year. Every... Now, when they had Emmett and Aikman and Michael Irvin, it kind of was their year every year they've been. So that's all I'll say as far as that goes. When you had Aikman, Irvin, and, and Emmett Smith, it was your year every year. All right, moving along. Take three. This is the most important one of the day. Today is National Eat What You Want Day. I'm saying it again. Today is National Eat What You Want. Diet, don't care. Eat what you want. National Eat What You Want Day. Ben, so that being said, if you could eat just one thing every day, no repercussions, doesn't matter. One thing, eat what you want day. What are you What are you going to? I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably going to, man, woo so many options, so many options. There are. But again, don't don't wow. go BJ Bennett on me and pick seven things. So it's got to be one. Ice cream. I mean, because Kevin, this is the thing, right? Ice cream going to sell a lot of stuff. Having an argument, somebody put ice cream in my hand. Having a good day, put some ice cream in my hand. And Kevin, got a lot of different varieties. Because there's a lot of different ones, I could pick, you know, your favorite, double chocolate, double fudge. Bring it on down. So for me, Kevin, if I'm going to have something every day, it's going to be something I'm indulging Give me, because this is the thing. I don't want something that takes somebody else to do it. I don't want something that got to be cooked because they might not cook it right. I don't want something that got to be seasoned. They might not season right. Give me the ice cream and get the hell out of the way every day, eating it. Yep, I'm doing it. Yeah, uh, my wife just texted and said, Kevin, you, I'm going to answer for you. Yours would be burritos. I was like, yeah, probably. It's a good call. Oh, you, oh, you like burritos like that? Yeah, I mean, it's basically like a sandwich. I mean, it, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> It's everything you want, surrounded by, you know, covered in a tortilla. I mean, think, I mean, think about oh. it. No, but, no, ben, no, ben, but seriously, no, what, what is it? If you were to go home and say, I'm going to have a ham and cheese or whatever, you have ham, cheese, and bread. I mean, what's a burrito? You put a little chicken down, a little cheese, a little rice, a little beans or whatever, see, and then, then, you're, then you're wrapped in a tortilla. A tortilla is what? It's bread. So, 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 Kevin, what you have, so what do you have today, Kevin? I'm having a mac and cheese torch. I mean, I have mac and cheese burrito. What? <laughs> I'm, I sure, the mac I'm, and sure, cheese. I'm sure somewhere they have that. I'm sure they do. So basically, what Kevin is saying is, I can still eat everything I eat minus the uh, minus the rabbit food. Kevin is not a fan of rabbit food. Exactly. He, say, he says Kevin goes, you don't eat salad. You eat you take you take you take dressing, but, yes. and you put put a little salad underneath it. It's but, not it's not real. Yeah, Mexican food. I could eat that every day. No no question. So Kevin goes, get, listen, Kevin goes, so so Kevin goes, I'm listen, listen, Kevin, I'm eating Mexican food, that way I, I can eat it every day, get out of the way, because that's a, that's a lot of different variants I mean, and a lot of rice. I only told you to pick one thing, because you, know, you got to narrow it down, but I mean, honestly, if, if people hear it's national, eat what you want day, I immediately go to Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, when he's sitting there in the diner, and he's just like shoving it in, he's like, I can eat whatever I want, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't worry about cholesterol? Nope. 
No, no. I don't. I don't worry about any of that. And shoves a whole piece of cake. And, 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 and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this too. Uh, you know, to all of you health nuts out there, if you're in your 70s, 80s, talking about, man, you might want to watch your diet. Shut the hell up. These people in their 70s, man. I get so sick of that nonsense. 70s, 80s, watch your diet. I'm living. You watch your diet. 25 year old man. I'm, you know, get out of here. I get sick of that. My granddaddy was 90 years old. His diet like. Well, what, what do you eat? What, what the hell he want to eat? He's 90. <laughs> like, whatever I, he want. I eat what's on the plate. Exactly. I'll be honest. This is, I will say, unpaid unpaid endorsement. I will say, if it was truly eat what you want every day and you don't have to worry about it, hot Krispy Kremes all day. Oh! I'm just, <laughs> unpaid, I was going to say that. But anyway, that's, that's all I'm going to say. No, no, I, listen, all I'm going to say is, I'm, I, listen, I'm not a fan you don't like the, I, I know you I'm, said I'm, that. I'm, I'm not a hot donut eater. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cold donut. I put my donuts in like refrigerator. I'm different. Like, but Kevin, you're it. telling me. But Kevin, so you sitting on the show all of a sudden they just arrived. Oh, Kevin, like, oh, if they're rolling off go- that, if they're rolling off that conveyor belt, <laughs> everybody knows what I'm talking about. They're rolling. They've just been under the waterfall and they're rolling off that conveyor belt. That's when they're the best. I'm mean, just saying. Kevin, so, I, listen, I will fight you. Kevin, listen, Kevin, listen, listen. As my daddy would say, it just depends on how you want your stomach to hurt. Your stomach hurt because you're sick. My stomach hurt because I got hot donuts. Uh, mine, mine, there is a difference. Mine will be feeling just fine. Thank you. <laughs> I can't, I don't, see, I don't mind the cold donut situation. You know, I don't know if I want it like ice cold. Now, the, the yeah, regular yeah, glaze yeah. maybe, but, you know, hot donuts, it's the way to go. It's not as bad as Sam Howell's I Don't Eat Steak, which apparently, oh, no, no, oh, oh, okay, that's take three. I'm going to kill the take three music because this is eat whatever you want. Sam Howell, please eat a steak on eat whatever you want day. But okay, so I got to get to this, Ben, because it's it's important. It's important that everybody knows. I saw I saw somebody follow because it became a big deal yesterday that Sam Howell didn't eat steak. And shame on you, Sam. You should. It's delicious. But Sam Howell has further expounded upon this and said, "quote I don't eat seafood either. I don't. I only. He said he only eats chicken. Is the only meat." That he eats, and even said he went so far as to say, "I brought my own nuggets to the team meal one time." I'm like, "What? Why are you going to? Hey, we go out to so like if you're a rookie, it's like, hey, rook, you're gonna buy some of us veterans a dinner. Where are we going? We're going to uh, you know Joe's Steakhouse. All right, hold on, I got to make a stop real quick. Why are you stopping? I'm gonna I'm gonna swing in and get me a six piece. A what? I'm gonna get me a six piece nugget. So when we go out to dinner, I'll just eat my nuggets." And and you can have the steak. Like, what 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 are you doing bringing chicken? I, like, I, look, I like chicken as much as the next guy. Am I eating it? Yeah. Every day? Am I bringing chicken nuggets on the on a trip? Like, no. Like, I, I'm not doing that. So, Sam, you got problems. You got problems, Sam. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm saying. I'm, 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 eat a listen, steak. Listen, listen. No, 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 no. Bigger than eating a steak, Kevin. You're an adult, <laughs> Sam. Like, 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 no, 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 no,
it was going to be red meat or fish or something, he would bring chicken tenders or whatever with him so that he could eat the chicken. I, I'm like, okay, I mean, come on, man. So, like, so, 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 he said he's so, never had a hamburger so, or anything. No red meat. What the hell wrong with him? That, that's what I'm saying. Is, is he allergic to red meat or something? I don't know. He just said, Kevin, that's the only thing that I can forgive him for. Never had a shrimp. Never, never had oh a God. never had fish. I mean, Kevin, think about this. If you play for the commanders, you think to yourself, Sam, yeah. T- take what's in your pocket out your pocket. It better not be no nuggets. It is. <laughs> you got nuggets in your pocket, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what? Because they didn't have they didn't have any in the no, cafeteria. No, no, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Why does Sam think that, oh, if I'm going somewhere to a restaurant that has red meat, I'm pretty sure they got chicken there too, Sam. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it ain't just a red meat that's you know, what, restaurant. That's just what he said. Kevin, that's... Kevin, once again, just when you think you're weird, you yeah. hear something like this. Somebody's out there Damn. way somebody's out there way weirder than you. We'll come back. <laughs> Kelly Quinlan, uh, Jackets Online, will join us. We're talking ACC. They're moving uh, scheduling model. Do they be doing away with divisions? We'll get to that next. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. To have you along on this Wednesday, Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. Thanks for being with us here on Three and Out. The ACC having their meetings, and uh, could they be on the verge of moving to something that will change kind of the outlook of their conference? Joining us here from Jackets Online to talk about that and more. Kelly Quinlan joins us here on Three and Out. Kelly, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing fantastic. Uh, the the coaches and ads talking about changing the schedule to a, a three and five. Uh, schedule format. What can you tell us about that? How quickly is that moving to getting passed? Is that something we could see implemented very soon? Uh, so really, you know, it would be for starting 2023 at the earliest. It's pretty easy for them to move around the schedule. Essentially, the way this would work is every team has three permanent opponents they play every year, and then they rotate five others on and five others off. So you would see teams more often. Right now, um, you play your core, you know, division opponents, and then you play. Um, so you're playing six and two right now. So you play your core div- division opponents plus your one permanent rival. Georgia Tech play case that Clemson, Miami plays Florida State, etc. <clears throat> so those. So you see one other team, right? So like, I've been covering Georgia Tech since 2009. And I, I've never been to a game at Syracuse because of the way the schedule fell. And the one time they played up there was, it was not open to the media because of COVID. So like, you know, I think about that. I've been covering a team since 2009. Syracuse has been in the league for, you know, whatever, eight, nine years now. And they've played once up there. Um, you have know, played at Boston College once during the time that I've been up uh, covering Georgia Tech. So those are the, the things they're trying to eliminate. They're trying to get more games in. You know, no one, there's not a lot of juice for, you know, Virginia Tech, um, you know, Virginia Tech, say, and Louisville or whatever. Whatever these games are, like, you don't want to have a ton of those. So you want to move teams around so everyone sees each other. You know, Georgia Tech hasn't played Wake Forest in quite some time now. Um, just trying to, 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 you know, spruce up the matchups a little bit. And so every team will play three. They won't all be the same three. So, like, you know, Georgia Tech schedules three permanent rivals be different than Clemson's or Florida State or Miami or whatever. So that's sort of the weird thing. You have to kind of sit and look at it in the big spreadsheet and visualize it to, to see how it would work. But it makes a lot of sense. They can't do pods because there's you would need 16 teams to do pods and only have 14. How much did this really like, boost the reputation of an ACC that obviously outside of last year, 
Clemson kind of been the bell cow for the entire conference. So, you know, I went and looked. Um, three out of the last 14 years, you haven't had the two top teams play each other in the ACC championship. So doing away with the divisions really doesn't do much. Um, I think it creates some more interesting games, and maybe if you don't have, you know, say Florida State gets good again, right? Like, you won't necessarily have Clemson and Florida State play each other every year in the regular season. So if they play an ACC championship, that brings a little more juice. Um, I you know, I think it's it makes a lot more sense to, to spread things out. This is not a conference where you have as many sort of blood blood rivalries as, say, the SEC, where you have to play these games. You know, Georgia has, like, four rivalry games you feel like they have to play every year, right? I don't really feel that in ACC for a lot of the schools. I just – even the real – like, North Carolina and Virginia is a really old rivalry. But, you know, whatever. Like, Georgia Tech's second – you know – Oldest rivalry in the ACC is actually Duke, which, you know, I don't know that anyone cares about playing them every year. So, uh, to me, this is sort of makes a lot of sense with the way the league has changed, trying to make it more attractive for TV as well. Kelly, you mentioned the pod system obviously wouldn't work. Uh, the SEC going to 16, is there talk about the ACC trying to do that at, at some point? Or is this, hey, we're going to try this, uh, you know, 14-team kind of round-robin in a way, deal and, and see how it works out for him. I think everything's on hold until Notre Dame makes a decision to join a conference. And ACC will sit and hold and wait and wait and wait. And, um, you know, that's sort of what their move has been in all of this. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's the right strategy or not. I guess time's going to tell here as things continue to evolve. But, yeah, I could see the SEC even going to the pod system because I think it makes more sense for them long term when you kind of look at how the teams are set up, they are sort of in pods to begin with um, just in terms of geographically. So, you know, maybe that's an evolution that they start to look at. I think the idea of the division things is starting to get a little outdated just across, across the board. And really even, you know, in the SEC, I don't know that, I think it's unfair that Georgia has an easier path than say Auburn or Alabama or LSU does to, to win their conference right now. So I think that's going to be the discussion point that goes on in that league, and maybe you will see other leagues fall suit. I mean, you know, the Big Ten doesn't make a ton of sense either how they've divided up their divisions. Like, I just don't know that the, 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 the – I think you've got to continue to evolve this, and this makes some sense to me to, to evolve it in this way. And, Kelly, I mean, I think you bring up a great point when you think about the fact that Georgia Tech's schedule compared to Georgia's, I mean, it's freaking laughable, but a team like Georgia Tech, if this pod system works out for them and they can maybe – even benefit from the NIL? Could we potentially looking at a potential sleeping giant in a Georgia Tech team that has it the best location in Atlanta? They just got to get the product on the field to kind of match that. Yeah, I mean, I think Georgia Tech's whole issue has been, you know, they've they've been in this sort of weird rebuild situation. They didn't hire maybe the best staff around Jeff Collins. That's on him. And now they've you know got to fix it, right? They they found a competitive advantage with Paul Johnson for a long time that worked really well, but things continue to evolve. And I think his I, I, Paul Johnson wasn't a fit for this era, in, in my opinion, with the portal and all that. And I'm friends with Paul; I've known him forever. But like, this is a constantly evolving process. Being in Atlanta, having access to all the things that Georgia Tech does, I think if you can get away from all the inducement things that are going on, where boosters are paying kids five hundred thousand dollars to sign with a school. If you can get away from that and get it to what the actual point was, which is businesses using you know partnerships with these kids being legitimate, 
I think that's a huge advantage for Georgia Tech, given where they are, and that's something that could turn them into a little bit of a sleeping giant. And Kelly, you look at the ACC. Obviously, uh, you're trying to create more of a uh, consistency amongst the, the, the schools. Has there been any talk in the playoff era to go to a nine-game conference schedule? Would there be pushback to try to do that? So the main hang-up there is sort of one that, you know, the SEC's looked at, too, which is you have these traditional rivalries, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, um, Louisville, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Clemson. You don't want to lose those, and if you go to nine games, it really becomes limiting on who you play non-conference. Um, so, you know, I think there's not a push for that. I don't know that TV's really interested in that. So I think, to me, what is more interesting and across the board is has been the the, the – you know, P5 games where you play, you know, West Virginia, Virginia Tech play or Pitt in West Virginia or whatever it is, like Oklahoma State plays somebody. Like, those are a lot more interesting to TV than, you know, another ACC game. And, and I think that, you know, I don't think anyone is clamoring to watch South Carolina, Texas A&M either. You know, like, I think they're much more interested in seeing them play Clemson or something like A&M. Like, and that's what TV is pushing for. They're not pushing. They don't really want the nine-game schedule, I don't think. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. I, I don't I don't envision that yet. But the SEC will be interesting to see what they do at 16. Like, that's kind of a little bit of a tipping point to me for a nine-game schedule. Kelly, if, if the SEC does indeed follow suit behind the ACC with this new system, how much could that boost the reputation of the ACC? Because obviously in those two – similar regions of the country. All you hear is SEC all the time. The ACC obviously, you know, uh, had, you know, Kenny Pickett and old Wake Forest last year. If the SEC goes to the use the same system as the ACC, how much could people say, well, the ACC can obviously help the SEC benefit from them from a change? Honestly, I think the only thing that's going to help the ACC right now is they need their traditional powers to be good again, which is – the Florida State, you know, you've had Clemson be good, right? And Florida State's fallen off in the last five years. And you need Florida State to be good again. I think you need Miami to wake up from – they've been literally terrible pretty much the entire time in the ACC. And you need Georgia Tech to be good again. And I think those are the sort of marquee teams that can carry weight. They're in SEC country, like, along with Clemson. Like, if those teams are good, I think that it's huge for the ACC. And it was in the, you know – in the late 2000s, early 2010s, when those teams were good, I think it really drove the league a lot better. And that's what's sort of hurting them right now is those teams all going through growing pains. And then obviously Clemson in a little bit of a reset mode right now after losing so many coaches in the last two off seasons. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, joining us here on 3 and Out. Kelly, I know the ACC talking about a number of things, including you know transfer portal. And I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Georgia Tech, obviously, like a lot of people, utilizing the transfer portal, but actually had a young man who was set to come in via the transfer portal already transfer to another school in, in Southern Cal. How, how do you kind of view those situations? I know sometimes they can be few and far between, but do you think there's enough pull from coaches collectively around the country to have transfer portal? I don't want to call it reform, but maybe some guidelines to, uh, to, to rein it in a little bit. I, I think there's going to be some controls put in place, and I think you will see probably – a, some restrictions on when you can go into the portal relative to your – so you can't go in in the middle of the season. The thing that I find the most obnoxious about the transfer portal and these kids is you have kids going in in the middle of the season, right? Like kids, you know, they're upset with their coach, whatever, 
they quit, you know, week one in October. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's someone that's not not thinking about things in a logical sense, and they're doing themselves harm by going to the portal at that point. And the other thing was, and you saw this a lot with Georgia Tech, actually, this past offseason. You had kids go in, like, a week before spring ball started or the week before, you know, like a couple of days before spring ball started because they wanted to get their winter workouts in and stay in shape. They could be a, a you know high commodity for their next school. That's got to stop, too. I think you've got to have basically like the end of semester or that kind of thing when it's open and have it closed the rest of the time. I think it would do away with a lot of the tampering that's been going on as well. I think that's the biggest push you'll see. You talked about Solomon Bird, the kid that uh, flipped from Georgia Tech. That's a unique situation. Solomon's uh, married with a little kid. He's from the West Coast. Georgia Tech took a shot at him. He's a kid from Wyoming. And um, USC came in, and it was kind of an obvious situation. Like, no one begrudges a kid, you know, going back home where he has a chance to play at a big-time school and be close to home with his wife and kid. And so, you know, that's a tough situation. And there's been some of that going on. You've seen some flips. Kids go back in the portal. They had another kid um, that they you know, parted ways with as well that was committed from Memphis. Um, so it, it's a little bit like high school recruiting, and there's going to be some ebb and flows to it too because there's nothing tying these kids to any kind of commitment until they step foot on campus. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, our guest here on 3 and Out. Kelly, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Kelly Quinlan joining us here, and again, a lot of changing parts there around college. ACC going to go three and five uh, with three common opponents rotating five, trying to work your way through the conference uh, a little more frequently uh, with that kind of schedule. He said maybe in time for 2023. We'll come back. More to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. We'll talk more about uh, Josh Lambeau suing the Jags coming up a little bit later in the show. Also, what do we expect from a guy like Drake London? Year number one as the uh, the Falcons wide receiver. We'll get to that. Braves baseball coming up tonight as they try to win one of two from the uh, the Boston Red Sox. So we'll uh, we'll get to that coming up in just a minute. But obviously, I've been a lot of time uh, here talking about uh, some things happening around college football. We've spent a lot of time this week uh, talking about uh, things happening around uh, college football as well from an NIL standpoint uh, and and more and. Yeah, there's ACC meetings. Dave Clawson and Mike Bray. I just want to get kind of your thoughts on the the change, if you will, in thought processes of a couple of those guys where you look at it and say, you know, Mike Bray at the ACC meetings, he's a basketball coach saying, look, college coaches, just stop complaining about it and adapt, which I appreciate. But then Dave Clawson kind of juxtaposed that. Said, what are the rules? We can adapt. What are the rules? What are the consequences for breaking the rules? Do we have rules that nobody's going to enforce? Do we have a speed limit sign set up at 55, but you can drive 70 and nobody says anything? What are the rules? So, Ben, how do you kind of juxtapose both of those positions, if you will? I think, I think, you, I think you embrace both. I think, I think you get over it because you understand it's here to stay, right? It's not going to go away. But, Kevin, I think you use ignorance if and when they try to impose rules, right? Like, once the rules, once these, whatever it's going to be, these are the fundamental principles of nil you can say well wait a minute we didn't know this like we're gonna you know i'm gonna let i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna plead ignorance here your honor because we didn't know because kevin you know that like i know right if something happens in life if somebody says yeah man for the next i don't know year 
You know, it's like we all in the military. No tax. People are people are buying stuff like now. If they come and say, all right, now if you bought stuff past this date, we're gonna be like, you know, because I think what happens is, Kevin, is you know just like I know. Is the rules really gonna matter? Like think about this for a second. Okay, we got the rules. What is college athletics ever ever stuck to the rules? Like I'm not talking about everybody now. But we act as if the rules make it so that we're not going to break. This is it. This is what we're doing, and we're not going. I understand. On, I understand now. that, and I, and I think for but the coaches. But I do. I do respect. I do respect both coaches because this is what really happens. Most coaches need the rules because they're like, well, "Dude, I'm not benefiting now. I need to know something to keep my players here. Like I, I'm trying to keep my players because Kevin, you know, just like I know. If you can get any player you want, you just going, all right, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it is, I, I understand. But, 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 but if it's hard to keep the players you have, I want to know what the rules are. Because I do think that right now, Kevin, let's call it what it is. Somebody gave somebody a blank sheet of paper and said, you write what you want your rules to do. <laughs> it's not going to mean anything. So, yeah, I do agree with both sides. You got to embrace it, but you do kind of want to know, you know, what what is and isn't allowed because, if you given the if you given the the, the 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 invisible rules committee the the, sure. the say so that's why that's why it's running ragged right now. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I understand Mike Bray's point where it's like, hey, look, every time we hear somebody open their mouth, it's oh, uh, this is why we do this. Is this what we want it to be? And he says, look, just it, it is what it is. Adapt, and I understand coaches have to be flexible, but at the same time, I I, I think from a coaching standpoint, you say I can't adapt, but. We we just oh, we we went to the store. We got a new game, and we opened a box, and it said, "Where's the instructions?" Oh, we forgot the instructions. Well, we have all these game pieces, and we got we got the we got the board. All right, go win the game. Oh, okay, I would love to do that. How do I do that? Right? I mean, how how do I go out there and, and win the game? Especially, I think in this situation where you're trying to keep forces from taking uh, potentially your players and things of that nature. I get you have to adapt, and I think a lot of schools. I mean, anytime a problem is thrown out there, Ben, you find out just how creative people are, right? I mean, hey, don't cross the line over here. Well, you didn't say I couldn't cross the line over there. So that's, now you're going to make a rule for that. But I, I think you look at, uh, I mean, schools adapted pretty quickly. I don't know if it was the coaches, but the schools adapted pretty quickly, right? As soon as name, image, likeness came out and it was out there, how long did it take before you saw a bunch of collectors pop up and say, well, we can, we can, we're seeing boosters do deals for companies with all of our student athletes. Why can't we just get all of our boosters together and say, Hey, you're not affiliated with us. Go do your own thing. And again, you see him at almost every school uh, has this. So schools have adapted. Fans have adapted to the new landscape. I think I under, I do agree that Mike, Mike Bray's like, look, you can't, you can't complain about it because it's, it's here. It's, it, it's going to happen. It's here. You have to adapt. I think, to the to the uh, the opposing kind of view, Dave Claus is like, okay, quit telling us we're old and stodgy and stuck in our ways. We would love to adapt, right? I mean, but that's what he's saying. Like, hey, we would love to adapt, but what what are we adapting to, yeah, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that is, so I think that is, uh, you know, a, a lot of times it's easy just to say, oh, well, you know, whenever Nick Saban says something, it's like easy for you, Nick. You know, uh, that's the fir- that's the first reaction you get whenever Nick Saban says anything or Dabo or any of these high products. It's called, easy for you to say, Nick, you're making $12 million and you want this and that. But I think a lot of coaches at the end of the day are just saying, look, I, I get it. But what, are, what, like, what, what is my, what are my guidelines? I'm willing to do whatever it takes 
to make Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, whoever win a national championship. What are my guidelines to doing that? And I'm going to go do it. You know, and so I think most coaches aren't complaining about the fact that it's here. I think most coaches are saying the fact that it's just whatever anybody wants to do, and that usually doesn't work. It doesn't work with your own kids, right? You can't go home and say you can't go. You can't go home and say kids do whatever you want. It's fine. I was waiting on you to use. I was waiting on you to use. Listen, for those of you who don't have kids, okay, this is me and Kevin Stegman. Those of us that do, we have rules at the house. Like now, do they get broken? Yes. You know how I know? Because every time they do, you look at them and you say, "Did I tell you?" Yeah. Like, and I think that, and I'm not. Listen, I am not comparing our children to these. No, I'm not asking you to do that. No, but at the same time, Kevin. Our, kid, our kids break the rules, and we have rules. We have them. Now, to them, they don't like them. They don't agree with them. Not none of them. None of, none sure. of them favors them. But at the same time, Kevin, like you just mentioned, when, we're talk, when I'm talking about college athletics, I'm not talking about – I'm not separating them, but I'm not talking about the schools that can do anything. Like, there are certain schools, they don't have budgets for real. Because, <laughs> like you said, Kevin, Alabama. Nick Saban can do whatever he wants, and he knows he can. Nick Saban to go out there and say, what about the transport portal? Nick Saban got Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> yeah. you know I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm getting the best players at their position. I'm getting the best middle linebacker, the best young running back, the best young, you know, cornerback. Uh, uh, so Nick Saban just says these things. He's laughing behind it. He don't believe this stuff one minute. Because at the end of the day, Kevin, when I'm talking about college athletics, I'm talking about the teams that don't make the college football playoffs, the teams that are striking and clawing to stay relevant in their conferences, the ones who saying, "Wait a minute, it took everything we could to get this three-star player, and he's gonna, and you about to take him because you going to throw some." Do-. It's got to be rules, man. And and the thing about it is, is we talk about NIL and transfer portal like it's really working for the student athlete. It don't. Like, you know how many players in the transport portal? <laughs> it is littered. Like, and, and that's the thing, Kevin. We hear Jordan Addison. You know, we hear, uh, you know, Caleb Williams. We hearing some of the best players in the country. Oh, my God, he might go to USC. What about the other players at Pitt? We don't know them. What about the other players at Georgia Tech? We don't know them. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the player who stayed at Georgia Tech. Didn't get in the transfer portal and it's never gonna play. That's college athletics, people. <laughs> well, I'm telling y'all. So, so at the end of the day, Kevin, I do agree. We need rules because for the school that's gonna bend them anyway, that's gonna bend them anyway. What you think they're doing now? <laughs> yeah, like, what yeah. you think? I understand going, that. Yeah. And Kevin, you know, Nick Saber is gonna plead innocent. He's gonna throw the rock yeah. and hide his hand. There were no rules. It's uh, three and out. We'll come back <laughs> all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to here in the final hour of the program, including Drake London. Can he be the best rookie wide receiver in the National Football League this year? We'll talk about it. Also, the NFL schedule coming out uh, tomorrow. We'll look at what the Falcons could be in store for. Again, usually it's supposed to be if you had a rough year, you get an easier schedule. I don't know if it always works. Uh, that way, uh, necessarily. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Hey, do want to let you know before we move forward, we got our uh, ESPN Diabetes 5K coming up May 21st at the Landings Club. Our Diabetes 5K May 21st there at the Landings Club. You can go to ESPNCoastal.com for more information on that event. Also get signed up uh, to, to run or walk in that event, raises money for 
to purchase insulin for those who are less fortunate. So you can go get all the information there. Uh, they're at ESPNCoastal.com or ESPN Diabetes 5K coming up on May 21st at the Landings Club. Again, you can go there for uh, more information. But Ben, uh, speaking of uh, more information, uh, you get more information about Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's never a good thing uh, at the end of the day because Urban Meyer didn't even make it a year as the head football coach of the Jags. And now today, a former player of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Lambeau, is suing them, alleging Urban Meyer kicked him. And I think that was a story that had come out last year. Uh, anyway, he said, hey, about a five out of a 10 on the level of kick streak. But nevertheless, he came and said, hey, man, you can't be doing that. And he kind of said, I can do whatever I want. I'm the head coach. And he said he created a hostile work environment, physical, verbal abuse, and suing for three and a half million dollars in damages and emotional distress from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Urban Meyer, the problem that will not go away for uh, for, for Shad Khan here, the Jacksonville Jaguars, as they try to move forward. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. And the thing about it, think about Josh Lambeau's uh, claims, right? Like, I mean, does he really have to prove, outside of the fact that he, he did kick it, do we not feel as though he, uh, Urban Meyer didn't create a hostile environment? I mean, you hired Chris Doyle on the first day. You had to, he had to resign the next day. You bring in Tim Tebow to play tight end because y'all are really good friends. And quote, nobody uh, works. Nobody wants to win as much as this guy. You talk about a guy, James Robinson, that Trevor Lawrence had to fight to get him back on the field because you wanted your old your old player Carlos Hyde to get more snaps, and you tell the running backs coach, don't put him in. Wait a minute, don't put a player in that was here last year as a rookie. They had a thousand yards rushing as an undrafted rookie. Yeah, put in the guy. So I don't know. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, and, and again, I I think you you look at Josh Lambeau uh, suing. I'm interested, as we said earlier in the show, Ben. Is there somebody else? Because usually, in a group that size, uh, that size being an NFL locker room, which is more than just the players, a group that size. Was it just one player that's going to come out with a grievance? I know there's a lot of uh, factors that come in and say, hey, there's, it's not in my interest to say anything right now, but obviously he is now doing it. Usually if you have a hostile work environment, it's not just one. I mean, we had a guy earlier uh, call the show. I think it was Ray who said, look, as soon as, as soon as Urban Meyer was fired, your number one draft pick came out and was like, oh, man, maybe we could just play football now. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we can, you know, to the effect of have a normal structured – uh, a lot of the craziness can can calm down now. So obviously there could have been more that we know about, but he's obviously the first uh, that that has come out and said anything. Obviously by way of a a, a lawsuit. I just hope that uh, I just hope that Josh like like gets his money, Kevin. Because at the end of the day, right, it's a certain level of humiliation that goes on with a guy who finally makes it to the bigs and a guy that doesn't have any NFL experience, any pro experience, kicks me. I, I just. I just, I just, I just find it to be quite, you know, disrespectful of a guy like Urban Meyer, right? I get he got the, I, he got the opportunity he got because of what he did in college, and that's, that's why he was so hell of a college coach. If he's not already in the college football hall of fame, but I started making to the big leagues as a, as a football player, and you kick me, like, are you serious? And Kevin, let's call it what it is. I mean. If a coach is gonna if a coach is gonna do anything to anybody on the team, it's probably gonna be a kicker or a punter. Now, ain't gonna be nobody else, but that still doesn't justify it. Shaq Khan 
probably regrets ever hiring Urban Meyer because it was a mockery. So I, I, I just think at the end of the day, I just think at the end of the day, you know, you got to ask yourself, uh, Kevin, do we want to, do we want to, do we, do we stand on the side of Lambeau so we can give him his money? Because something he said, no, I want. Does this, you know, what, contract, what, what is it, conduct detrimental to the team? If this, if this doesn't fall under that for a coach. It's firing, with, it's, it's, a, it's firing with cause is basically what they were saying. Yeah, it was a, again, let me say it again. It wasn't a confirmed thing. I don't think you would ever, uh, you know, come out and have anybody from the Jags say that, Ben. I, it, but but I think, uh, you know, somebody at least authored up a a hypothesis. Again, take it for what it's worth. Nothing rooted in like this. Way, but that said, look, the Jags actually could benefit from being sued. And you go, well, how is that? Well, I mean, if you have a complaint filed against you about damages and emotional distress and a hostile workplace, and you can go to prove that that was a, a cause for hiring Urban Meyer, well, you don't got to pay him. Like you don't have to pay out the rest of his contract. You not liable to do that. So you could by getting sued, you might actually save yourself some money. Uh so again, we'll we'll see what happens with it, but uh, again, the Jags are trying so hard to move on. And it's just something else that comes up seemingly every so often. I mean, you've heard more in the last 2 or 3 months been about Urban Meyer. Even around the draft it was like, "Oh man, Trevor Lawrence, you get away from Urban Meyer and you kind of start over. You've heard more about Urban Meyer than you have Doug Peterson, who is the head coach now of the uh, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That uh, If you're Jacksonville, you're just looking for good news. And we talked about this. Is Trevor Lawrence ready to be a top-half quarterback? Well, if he is, you had to clean up some of that nonsense, right? You had to, you had to get away from, hey, every day it's something else. It's, you know, now it's Urban Meyer telling coaches, better get your resume uh, together, telling players, no, you're not. You're not going in the game. Coach, I'm fine. No, you're not. You're not playing. You're just not going back in. Like it, people go, well, that, what are we doing? I, just all kinds of different things that see every single week. Who is number 99 for the Rams? Who like, Just stuff like that. Just every single well, week. A, and you're that's like. Fire, that's, that's a fireball. Of, I mean, Kevin, think, think about that, right? Think about this. I, full, and full disclosure, I was reading about Sam Darnold in, uh, in, in, during the break. I mean, all the stuff you said, Kevin, is true. I mean. We'll get to that. Though. They, you know, bring bring you chicken nuggets and chicken strip. That's ridiculous. Oh, you Sam Howell? Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But think about this, Kevin. Okay, okay. I don't got to watch a lot of baseball to know who Aaron Judge is. I don't got to watch the Angels to know who uh, Atani is and freaking Mike Trout. The whole world knows who Aaron Donald is, except Urban Meyer. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Like, like, like you don't like. I, I get it if it's you know. If he said, who's Von Miller? Because, you know, that which also is unacceptable, even though Von Miller's with them. You go, hey, man, who's 99? They, they say they, look, they say he's a problem. And, and, and if, I'm a, if I'm on that team, Kevin, I'm thinking to myself, uh, is this, like, are you joking with me? Like, uh, no, I'm serious. What? You don't know who Aaron Donald is? No. You don't know. <laughs> and I think, Kevin, and, and the thing about it is this, right? You might not know who's the best offensive player in the NFL. That's debatable, right? Tom Brady, Aaron if you don't know who the best defensive player in football is, <laughs> you don't deserve to be a co- I'm sorry, Ke- Kevin. Think about this, though. If we said it to the players, he walked in the defensive meeting room and said, hey, Coach Charlie Strong, hey, hey, who's number 99? Yeah, that guy looks pretty good. Is he good? What? Like, like I, I said, wait, and then this is the same. And then if I'm Charlie Strong, I'm thinking, and you was asking me my credentials yesterday. What? 
you was asking me to tell me you don't know who Aaron Donald is. No, he goes, do you know who Aaron Rodgers is? Absolutely. Well, then you should know who Aaron Donald is because pound for pound, Aaron Donald is a better player at his position than Aaron Rodgers is at his. No, yes, he is because he's won defensive MVP like three times. Like Kevin, all I'm saying is. Josh Lambeau got a good shot with my head coach. Don't know who the hell Aaron Donald is. Like, if you don't know who Aaron Donald is, that's enough to not get your money. You don't deserve a dime. <laughs> so I just think for me, Kevin, I think Lambeau got a good shot to win it because of the comment. Because this is the second article that came out about um, Urban Meyer with, with, you know, guys like saying stuff about how crazy it was. And like I said, the Jaguars do not need any distractions. And you got the biggest distraction there is, and a guy like um, and a guy in Urban Meyer. But I hope Lambo does get his money. And if I'm being honest, if 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 Urban Meyer still get his money after all this, he got some of the best lawyers in the freaking <laughs> world. I mean, this is crazy. But I, I, again, I, I, obviously they you fired him with cause because there was a lot to 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 digest and unwrap there uh, with Urban Meyer. And again, we'll see Josh Lambo going for three and a half million dollars in damage. I don't I don't know what his contract was last year, Ben offhand, but. I, I mean, it's not unreasonable to say a kicker was earning three and a half. No, it could just be for the the length of his contract. Uh, that saying, look, because of all this, I couldn't I couldn't perform my job. And he's five or seven on extra points, over three field goals. Hey, if some of that stuff wasn't going on, I would have been in a better environment to to do my job. And, <laughs> hold, on, I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did, did he? I mean, you know how you hear the term of swift kicking the you know what? Like, is that, <laughs> is that what Urban Meyer was doing? I think that's what he was trying yeah, to do. Like, we, we, hear, we hear the term, but they use it. You, somebody use it, swift kicking your. Like, whoa, did you just. You don't want to do that literally, Urban. I'm yeah. just saying. I think, we, I, think we, uh, I think we just uncovered what was happening. Case, case closed. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to kick it. You're supposed to kick it like this. Did yeah. you just kick me? Yes. The problem was that maybe that's Urban Meyer's offense. I was going for a swift kick in the, and I missed and hit his leg. I was trying to show him just how you do it. What? You don't even know who Aaron Donald is. How the hell are you gonna show that again? <laughs> we got more to come. We got more to come. We'll switch gears. We'll talk Falcons. Drake London. A lot of talk about was he the right pick? Should they have done that at number one? Well, they did it. Big physical receiver. But what do you expect out of Drake London coming in? Can he be a number one? Should he be a number one? Could he be? As I think I heard some folks uh coming off post draft, some of his I guess you would expect teammates to say that, saying he's going to be the best rookie wide receiver in the league this year. We'll debate when we come back. It's three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Drake London, Ben. Obviously, he's going to mean a lot to the Atlanta Falcons. Move forward, they drafted him number eight. Overall, uh, a couple of days ago, he was the betting favorite to be offensive rookie of the year. I think he slid to number two since then, but still uh, a lot of expectations on him. I saw an uh, interview with him about getting separation, and Ben, you'll probably love this this answer. He said, what do you think, say about the criticisms of you getting separation? He goes, well, I, I think there's a lot of phases of separation. There's separation when the guy's below me and I'm up high. You get, there's separation on the release. There's separation when I go, but I'm like, the first thing you went to is I'm tall, right? <laughs> you know, the first thing you went to is like, I can out jump guys. What are the expectations for you? Do you expect Drake London to put up Kyle Pitts numbers? And I know don't say touchdowns because obviously we would expect more, but Kyle Pitts put up thousand yards. 
for a tight end. Most yard, granted, he had an extra game, but most yardage by a tight end is a rookie. Are you expecting that kind of production from Drake London immediately? What, what do you kind of see him? Is he the number two uh, behind Auden Tate till he gets up to speed? What do you What do you expect from Drake London here? I, I see around about eight hundred and some yards, uh, Kevin. I hope I hope he gets some touchdowns because once again, right? I love Cal Pitts. That is that that's never gonna change. Never, right? Bias, I get it. Cal Pitts had Matty Ice throwing rock. Right? Like, think about this, right? People do realize that Matty Ice is the truth, right? <laughs> like, 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 I kept saying this. I says, if you take a superior talent like Kyle Pitts and you give him the veteran savvy of a Matty Ice, he's going to ball because Matty Ice going to make sure he does. He's not going to let, he's like a coach on the field, right? It ain't Drake London. It's Marcus Mariota. We don't know, Kevin, what we're going to get. Because the one thing we can say about Matty Ice, Kevin, was, we know Matty Ice is going to put up numbers, right? He's done it since he got drafted, no matter who you give him. Last year, it really showed how good and efficient Matty Ice was. Matty Ice is going. Marcus Mariota hasn't started a football game in a long time. So Drake London, which, once again, he not only is he learning quarterback position, he learning how to hell to answer questions. Like, <laughs> what, what, like, what the hell is that? Like, oh, I'm, I'm up here. He's down here. And to me, Kevin, that's what's scary, right? Like, Mike Evans is a big receiver, but he play like one. Like he's a big body, but yeah. he plays like one. What sometimes being tall don't mean that much because you're going to do you giving away five six inches, but these cornerbacks they can they can get right. So for me, I think Kevin, you know, eight nine hundred yards, maybe like seven eight touchdowns. That's a hell of a rookie season because the thing about Drake London, we're we're gonna the fastest Drake London is gonna be is this year. He, you don't get older and get faster. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way. So I think, Kevin, we're going to learn a lot about, one, what his role is going to be and the type of receiver he is. Because, if listen, when I when I was in the National Football League, I looked at tight ends that I was that I had a similar game to. We got the same. So I'm watching Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and, you know, guys like that, but we got a similar type game, right? If Drake London is watching Tyreek Hill, I'm going to slap the hell out of him. That is not who he is. You're going to have to look at big body receivers like a Mike Evans in your division. Maybe even a, like, like I, 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 I give you an example. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a great receiver, right? But he had Drew Brees. Sure. I, I mean, ben, can you be a number now, one? The, I mean, like, can, who throws the ball to you matters. I understand right? that. Can't, Isn't it ironic that every receiver that goes to the pro. Yeah, I, mean, I understand what you're saying. I mean, can you be a number one receiver, Ben? Can you be a number one receiver in the in just professional sports? I, but uh, can you be a number one receiver if you can't get separation? I know and say, well, in the pros, they throw you open. Well, I mean, you have talked. I mean, as long as I've known you on this show, you have talked about tight ends and wide receivers who can get separation. Now, uh, does being big and tall help? Yes, but you said if you want to be a truly dynamic pass catcher, you have got to be able to get away from the guy who is covering you. And can Drake London do that? I mean, and if he can't, is he really a number one receiver at that point? Well, well, Kevin, this is the thing. He's a number one receiver because of where he got drafted. He's not a number one receiver. Uh, that's yet. a bad answer, though, right? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm gonna tell you. I'm, 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 I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why I say that. No, He's I'm saying. I'm not saying your answer is bad. I'm saying if you say you're a number one receiver because of where you got drafted, I mean, I that's what the expectation is. That doesn't mean that's well, what you are. Well, 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 well and the reason why I say that is. 
you're gonna give a number one, you're gonna give a number eight overall pick a lot of chances to fail. A lot. Because he's gonna be out there. Like, I'm sorry. Get your behind out there, Drake. But this is the thing, too, Kevin. Like, when you get to talk, when we get to talk, okay. Case in point. Case in point. Darren Waller. Darren Waller's by 6'6. Six, six. His height only helps him because he can play the position. Like, forget his height doesn't matter if he stinks. If he stinks, you know what you're going to say, Kevin? Well, that's a waste. Why even? Exactly. What you're thinking is what everybody's thinking. Why even be 6'6 six, six if you can't? But, but once he's 6'6 six, six and he proves I can go through the whole route tree, can't nobody cover me. Corners can't, safeties can't, linebackers can't. Now I can throw him a jump ball. So now I'm going to show, oh, Wait a minute, you mean to tell me not only is he gifted, he's also tall and can use that height? I say that to say this. I'm sorry, people, but the barometer of tall receivers is Calvin Johnson. Not necessarily what he became as a player, but anything you gave Calvin, he can do it. I can run by guys. I can run routes. I can jump over guys. And I'm sorry, Drake. I'm sorry. If you can't can't run by dude, you better have a skill set that do something else. Because if I can't run by you, I got to win the 50-50 ball. The problem is, can't can't spend your life 50-50 ball. Your whole life can't be every catch is contested. Because that means wherever you catch it, you get tackled right there. Every time you catch it, you get tackled. So if you catch it at 20, he tackled it. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, mean, to be fair, again, this is not every catch he ever had in his career, but I will say from my viewing, the highlight tape, that is Drake London, right? He catches the ball, and he may break free. But there's a defender right there. Uh, seemingly yeah. in a lot of his highlights, like catch, hit, maybe he breaks free, ma- makes a big how play. Many, but how many, and, and you got to ask yourself this too, Kevin. How many of those guys he mousing got drafted? So you got to ask yourself. And I'm not saying those guys aren't good. They they division one athletes, right? But every but think about this. That's Marcus Lattimore over there. That's who he's gonna get. That go that go. They playing the what? I mean, that go. You know, uh, that go. Uh, you know, uh, um, Jalen Ramsey. Right, and think about this, Kevin. If 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 Drake London runs out there with 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 uh with uh, Jalen Ramsey, you think, uh oh, <laughs> because you know what Jalen Ramsey brings to the table. Jalen Ramsey is a big corner that plays big. Oh, oh I'll give you another example. Uh oh, they playing the Eagles. There go Darius Slay. You gonna uh oh, because what happens is these guys are these guys are like the elite when it comes to skill set. So. Like I said, Kevin, I, I got all the faith in the world, and the one because I have to. I'm sorry. You know? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not here to like downplay. I'm just saying when you realistically look at it, what are they getting at number one? Could he put up Kyle Pitts like type numbers? He, I think he, he would. He he, you, he could he could Kevin, but I think but it's the thing, right? I think Kyle Pitts got us in dream in, in dreamland when it comes to Drake London because Kyle Pitts did that in the SEC. Like when you saw Kyle Pitts play, you go, "That kid is nice." That's that's if you are. Uh, a fan of the SEC, don't like the Gators, root for the Gators. You saw, you saw them 84 and was like, that dude is nice, nice. Because every time you – his first game, his last year in college, he had 225 yards and four touchdowns against Ole Miss. You're thinking, what? That's a season. He had it in one game. And every time he was out there, he balled. So, for me, Kevin, every time you saw Kyle Pitts, they showed you everything he did. They showed you a couple of clips when it comes to Drake. They showed you the same ones over <laughs> and over. Because in my mind, I listen, I know he's talented. I'm not saying he's not talented. And I trust Terry Fontenot on him. But Kevin, you know just like I know. Everything you heard about Ron Lacuna Jr., even if you like baseball. Yeah. 
Look, it's like it's like he know what they say. Hey, man, they say you can't steal. I think with Drake London, Kevin, he's gonna have to prove he's not a one trick pony. All right, well, fair enough. He's gonna have to prove I can do more than just I'm more than just tall and can outleap guys. Sure, I, I got to do more. Than that. It, ben, from for, from that standpoint as well, you lose Calvin Ridley. You you had Julio Jones. They are what they are. You know, lid lifters on uh, on the offense. Is Drake London in his as we see as we see him? I'm not gonna say I mean as as we view him through the tape. Is he a guy that teams are going to look at and go, might need to throw double coverage over there. We might need to pull defenders away, thus leaving a Kyle Pitts more open, thus leaving an Alden Tate more open. Or are you looking at him and saying, and I would imagine that's going to be the strategy the first couple of weeks uh, you play the Falcons, is we're going to we're going to test him and see if he can beat us one-on-one. I mean, again, is he a guy that alters the defense, in your opinion? Not yet, no. I mean, I can, mean right can he now, be a guy that does that? Yeah, I, I think I think I think eventually he can because Kevin, think about this: if if Drake London can become a solid number one, that means that Kyle Pitts is now the number two. Because until then, Kyle Pitts is number one. So, and there's nothing wrong with running the offense uh, through the tight end. By the way, to teams that do it, they're very very successful. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, that you're they, talking they about biased opinion. I'm just but, kidding. But, but 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 what I'm saying is, Kevin, think about this: Kevin, you watch enough football to know. Receivers supposed to be the number one. They supposed to be, and if they're not, you got the Travis Kelsey, the Darren Wallers, the George Kittles. I get it, the Mark Andrews. But Kyle Pitts needs to know what it's like to get single covered again. Because until then, life is going to be real bad for him. It's going to be real because Drake London. I'm sorry, number one receivers get double covered, and they still have the production. So most of the catches you see, you see the hundred catches, fifteen hundred yards. Most of that came with two people on him. Two people, and they still doing it. So Drake, until you earn the respect, they will put one guy on you. And Kyle Pitts, may God help you, young man. They're gonna be, they're gonna be, because they, because right now, Kevin, you know how it is, Kevin. He's the only one that scares you. Number eight is the only one that scares you on that offense. Take and, and that's taking nothing away from Cordell Patterson. Makes it a little easier to play defense when you don't have a couple of guys that are that are scaring you out there on snap in and snap out. We'll come back. More to come. We'll talk more NFL. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Wednesday. We'll have Braves and Red Sox coming up in just a, a little bit, about 30 minutes. We'll have pregame coverage for you here as well. But uh, the NFL schedule, probably worst kept secret out there, uh, Ben. It seems like every day we get another little piece, another little piece uh, of the schedule come out. We had the overseas games come out. Uh, what, Monday this week? Today I'm seeing, hey, it's Thursday night football coming up, and so-and-so is going to play on Thanksgiving night for the first time. I was like, how much schedule is left to be released at this point? <laughs> NFL, uh, they're going to put it out there tomorrow night, and we'll know uh, just where all these teams are going to play. And obviously you would think the Falcons would have a decent schedule. The Jags, they say, hey, you number one pick. You should have the, quote, easiest schedule. I don't even know if that's a real thing, Ben. Because you you're, I mean, everybody in your division is playing the same teams, right? Yeah, what 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 is what is easy to a team that picked number one back to back? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, like, like, and Kevin, to me, right now, I will say this, like, full disclosure: when you're in the NFL, the first day, like, the schedule is used to players, but not for the reasons you may think. Like, you're just trying to see if you got, you know, now Monday night football, you got Thursday night football. Do you play on Thanksgiving? Do you play on Christmas? Stuff like that. Not. Because if you the Jags, you're going, oh, my God, they got us with the Ravens. <laughs> because, because, Kevin, if we're being honest, right, like, listen, okay, the younger you are, the more naive you are. 
and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I was like that, right? Here's what I would do. I get in the league. I'm 21 years old. You know, I, hey, let's do it. I'm like, oh, we got so-and-so. And then Steven there, man, he rest in peace and pull me to the side and go, what you all happy for? Cuz, man, we get, boy, our average, hey, listen, listen, we go from, our age didn't go right. It'll be 21, 22, 31. It was like we had a 10-year gap, right? <laughs> but the, listen, listen, but the 21-year-olds was the bulk of the team. They was cutting a bunch of guys. So all I'm saying is, Kevin, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati got people living in Never Never Land. Y'all think you're finna go from number one pick in Super Bowl? Not happening. It, it just doesn't go like that. But I do agree, Kevin. Listen, as far as like the National Football League trying to grow the game internationally, how many how many games do we got overseas now? It used to be one. That was like I know sick. there's there's what two London games. Uh, there's a game in Germany, I think, right? I mean, and, and it used to be right. They didn't want they didn't want the big stars over there, man. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, them, because they trying to grow. They want a good game, you know what I'm saying? But hey, man, I will say this: when it comes to the schedule makers, y'all need to stop that. There is no reason why Jacksonville's schedule should be harder than Kansas City's. It should be harder than the Bucks, but it is. It's gonna be rough, Kevin. But I'm looking forward to. It. I mean. Hey, if you're the uh, if you're... play the has to play the AFC North. Yeah, is it the AFC North? Yeah, the Falcons and the, and the, and the, and the NFC West. That's that right, right. Yeah, the Falcons yeah, got the the short. But I mean, this is where we could have the Arthur Smith kind of test game, right? Like you were awful last year. Like nobody's looking at that roster saying it's not funny. It's not. It's really not funny. No, it's true. No, it's I'm true. Laughing. I'm laughing. No, you, I don't know, Kevin. I'm laughing because it's true. Like, that, this thing. Your roster was terrible, and you won seven games. Like, people, like, kind of think about that because you're like, oh, the Falcons drafted at eight. They must have been bad. They won seven games. Now, I know seven to ten is nothing but, but you're going, you won seven games with no defense, really. Zero. Correll Patterson was your receiver and running back. Yep. Calvin Ridley just middle of the season is like, I can't do this. Yeah, he, 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 he's uh, he's betting on games. He's betting on games <laughs> in Florida, and his username is Calvin Ridley of the Falcons. <laughs> Find me at MercedesBenz.com. Hey, man, what name are you doing under? I did it under Calvin Ridley. Boy, you got to be. What? Boy, you ain't know who you are. They don't. Yeah, how many Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley 12. That was my yeah, I'm username. Calvin, I'm Calvin Ridley. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, ATL. You know what, Calvin? You know what? But, no, uh, no. But 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 but, even, but, but you coached seven uh, wins out of that team, right? If you're Arthur I, I, Smith, I will say this though, Kevin. Whatever, you know what's crazy? We talk about Drake London. We talk about who's going to be impactful as a rookie. We talk about is Desmond Ritter going to be going to be the guy down the road? We talk about everything but Arthur Smith. Like we talk about everything but him. And and the thing is, whatever he did in 2021 with this, I'm not going to play guys. You, uh, Kevin, he, what kind of what kind of strategy is he going to have in the preseason? Because he ain't played none of the starters last year in the preseason. I don't even know what strategy he's going to have in year two. But unfortunately, Cincinnati has made life bad on everybody because everybody expect to have that big of a jump. It's not going to happen. Marcus Mariota, may God bless you. All the, you know, well, no, I'm mean? not saying – no, I'm not. No, I'm not saying, oh, he won seven, so now he's going to win ten. No, I'm saying, like, you're in rebuild mode. You lost Matt Wright. Could you still coach six, seven wins out of this team? And if you do, that might be a tremendous – Tremendous coaching job by Arthur Smith. I would say, I would say this, Kevin. You got to be better than somebody in this division. It ain't gonna be Tampa now. It ain't gonna be Tampa. But, 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 can you potentially be better than Carolina? I think so. Because sometimes, Kevin, isn't that like you say? Okay, 
Well, we were bad, but we weren't the worst team in the division. Because the thing is this, Atlanta, Atlanta by far has the worst roster in this in that division it, it, by far. I mean, the fact that the matter is, right, outside of outside of Grady Jerry, outside of Lorenzo Carter, outside of Deion Jones, outside of AJ Terrell, outside of Pitts and Matthews, Cordell, you don't you don't know nobody. Like you don't know nobody on like even though Mike Davis signed with the Ravens, who the hell is that running back? Now? Like, I know it ain't him, but I don't know nothing of the running back. Like, somebody goes, hey, Ben, let's talk about the running back stay in Atlanta. Could you give me a list yeah. with their faces on it? So I so I think for me, Kevin, is <clears throat> don't be a bottom feeder. Don't be the worst team in your division because no matter what, Kevin, we're talking about rebuild in 2022. I know you're going to have a lot of money in 2023, but people use the word rebuild. You know why they don't put no expiration date on it? Because they don't know when it ends. <laughs> They don't. Like, Kevin, this is the first time in a long time Matty Ice ain't running out there. That's true. That's going to be weird. It ain't, this, this, ain't, this ain't the Braves to where you got rid of the number one, uh, the best first baseman for arguably the second or third of first baseman in baseball, right? <laughs> and you got younger. Uh-uh. Now, you did get younger, Marcus Mariota. But, but let's call it what it is. Marcus Mariota was just as shocked as we was when they called his phone saying, hello, it's Terry Fontenot. What the hell? Yeah, we want you to come over here and be the starter. You serious? Yeah. Like, start? Yeah. So I, I just think for me, Kevin. We love your abilities, Marcus. Arthur, the availability. Arthur Smith, if Arthur Smith can repeat what he did in 2021 and 2022, that might be good enough to keep his job for another year because, I'm sorry, Tom Brady coming back in the division made everything switch. I mean, if Tom Brady wanted to come back, I don't think they get rid of Matty Ice. I, I really, really don't. But when he come back, hey, man, hell no. Nah, we can't get his money. You got to go. Because they, they went 7-10. So I think that, Kevin, for me, that's true. about just, just how you – listen, I'm not promoting losing. That, understand what I'm saying. But sometimes, Kevin, isn't it how you look in a loss? Like, sure. Or were they competitive or did they get dominated? I think Atlanta going to have to win some games they're supposed to lose and not be bottom feeders. And maybe Arthur Smith, they'll give him till 2023 because maybe Marcus Mariota well, gives him an extra year. I mean, I don't think you're looking at uh, Arthur Smith and say, I, I think he's good. for. I mean, it's year two and, I mean, you gave him a mess, right? I mean, that that that's there's no question about that. You gave him a mess. So I, I think you want to see a more fight out of this team. I don't think you can have one player be your best pass catcher and running back. I, I just don't think that can happen. That that's roster development on uh, uh, on Arthur Smith's part. But I mean, dude won seven games last year with a potentially. I say potentially a worse roster. I mean, you you had Matty Ice, yeah, but what 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 was Matty Ice working with? Kyle Pitts and Cordell. Exactly. I mean, think about that. Think, think about it. Last year, last year was Matt, Kyle, and Cordell. That, that's who it was. It, it, it was. The, and I think. I, listen, I will say this. Right. There's nothing you can't put a price tag on a on a on a on a on a guy that was supposed to be a superstar and still trying to have a resurgence in his career. I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to go on and just have a Hall of Fame caliber second half of his career. But Kevin, if they can find, because the thing is, if they can get a running game, Marcus well, if he Mariota, does, he'll be the steal of the offseason. Listen, listen, and Kevin, all I'm saying is, right, they're going to need a spark on offense. The spark could be the running game. And if they can get a running game to go along with those, you know, 6'5", 6'6", receivers, and they can get and they can get maybe some I don't know maybe some level of balance at the defensive line position. They might have a shot because, like I said, football is fickle. You you lose against teams you should win against, win against teams you should lose against. 
I just listen. They cannot look how they looked on Thursday night against New England. They can't look like that. That was, that was and you you. Matty Ice was the season vet, and Mac Jones was the rookie, and you couldn't tell who's who because it was. You can't have those because because just know this. This is Atlanta is the reason why New Orleans didn't make the playoffs because they beat them in New Orleans. Think about that. They kept New Orleans from going to the playoffs because they split one and one. That's something to build off of. So I just think that if you are the 2022 Atlanta Falcons, please go to church. Please pray. <laughs> it's going to be rough. Because, Kevin, let, let, no, I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> but, Kevin, think about this. It's 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 optimism because you have to, right? If you got to stand in front of that team, Arthur Smith, I'm sorry, that first year give, gives you no confidence if you're coming back. And, obviously, he's in charge of the team, but – we're going to let the young boys go out yeah. there. And, you know, you know, you got some of Kyle Pitts, Matthews, and, and the company. Hopefully, Marcus Mariota got some left in the tank because, like I said, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. Doesn't I, mean it can't, doesn't mean it can't, you can't take a step in the right direction. Yeah, and, and again, we don't know when they're going to play, but we do know you get Tom Brady twice, right? That's a given. We know they're playing the Steelers. We know they're playing Joe Burrow. We know they're playing Lamar Jackson. We know they're uh, going to play – uh, San Francisco. We know they're going to play the Rams, who are defending Super Bowl champs. I mean, they're going to play Arizona and Seattle. Yeah, and oh, so, and so, I think the worst case scenario would be like San Francisco and the Rams come to your place, so that's your home games, and then you got to make the roadie to Seattle, which are traditionally—I no, no, mean, traditionally—those like, 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 are like, like hard places to go. Seattle is winnable. Seattle is winnable. Who going to stop the little bobblehead wearing number one on his chest, named Kyler Murray? Who going to chase him around for, for for sixty minutes? I mean, Kevin, all I'm saying is this. Outside of the Rams, right? Seattle, no Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray, he's good for the for the beginning of the season. He kind of tails off, and you know we'll see what happens with the San Francisco 49ers. You're not going to beat Tampa. You can go. You get you. You got that nice rivalry with, with the Saints. And Sam Donald gives everybody a chance to beat the hell out of Carolina. <laughs> everybody can beat Carolina with Sam Donald the way he's playing quarterback right now. But then Kevin, the AFC North, my goodness, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Pittsburgh, now Cleveland. I don't. I, it's probably gonna be Jacoby Brissett. But they're still very talented. They, the, the problem with Cleveland is you, it ain't the offense. You got Miles Garrett. Um, who gonna block him? You see what I'm saying? So it's gonna be a long year, regardless. It's Atlanta. We, we've gotten used to it. Maddie <laughs> Ice is in Indy right now. Marcus, man, hey man, we love you because we have to. But we gonna talk trash behind your yeah. back like no other. Just know that. That probably would be the weirdest thing. I was like, Freddie Freeman wearing Dodger <laughs> blue was was, was weird. Yeah, Matt Ryan trotting out there in a Colts uniform, going what? But it's gonna happen. I mean, what? From red and black to the most bland blue and white you ever seen. Oh, what are you life. talking about? What are you talking about? That's the that's I love the Colts jerseys and uniforms. That's beautiful. The white you, helmet you, with the short shoe on it. That's what are you talking about? That's I mean, classic. I mean, Listen, Kevin's you like saying, the, I ain't don't what, come back with the Titans. No, the culture is that's classic. Of course, because it's but listen, listen, listen. I mean, listen, it's simple. White, blue, keep it simple. It's still, it looks know. good though. It does look good. Why are you saying like, come on? Why are you hating on the Colts? I guess I, guess, I guess I still have nightmares about the Colts because I have to play against when they had Peyton Manning. I mean, apparently, but I mean, I, I love the Colts uniforms. What are you talking okay. about? That'd be like my I I, I promise you, Colts uniforms probably my top three in the NFL. I froze Ben with that take. Top three uniform I mean, it's NFL. Good. No, no, no. It's all good. I mean, bland. <laughs> I, I, maybe that fits my personality, I guess. Ask my wife. Nah, I'm about to say, y'all got, yeah, y'all got to know Kevin. Kevin wants give me the white and the blue. Get on out. And Kevin, what about the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't need all that struggle. <laughs> yeah, I, don't need, I don't need tiger stripes or bang. Yeah, I don't need any of that. Blue, white, let's go.
We'll come back. Braves and Red Sox coming up. We'll get you ready for that. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Braves back in action tonight after losing nine to four to the Boston Red Sox. They'll finish up a quick two-game series with the Red Sox this evening. No Ronald Acuna Jr. A I don't think they actually use this in in baseball, but a, a load management night off for uh, for Ronald Acuna. I think uh Brian Snicker said it was a maintenance night, a maintenance night for for uh, for Ronald Acuna. Just based off what he's been doing, want to give him the night off, and he gets a day off tomorrow because there's no game, and we'll be back uh, on Friday. But Ben, he has been amazing. Ten games since coming back, two homers, slugging four eighty seven, five stolen bases. I think he's only three off the the major league lead in stolen bases, and he's only played five games. So he's been incredible uh, for the Atlanta Braves since coming back. That he has, Kevin. And like I said, I mean, Ronald Cooney Jr. is one of those type of guys you have to slow down and not speed him up. But remember, Kevin, I tell you this all the time. People don't like load management when it comes to players they don't like. But when it comes to your favorite player, Kevin, say, yeah, give him a day off. He's good. I love, listen, I love Ronald Do Cooney I say Jr. that? I, I would say he looked pretty good to me. Put him out there. We need, Kevin, Braves Kevin, want that listen, dub. Listen, listen, <laughs> Kevin, say, Kevin, I mean, realistically, I mean, how many homers you think you'll have by, by season's end, you think? Uh, I, I mean, I would like to say they increase his workload as the season goes along. I don't know if, you know, uh, him getting a day off every, you know, three, four days is going to get him there. But I certainly think, given where he came back, I mean, 30, 30 home runs is certainly a possibility. I, I, I think 30-30 would be nice. I, I, I'm not going to say we're kind of also dealing with the dead ball uh, that, that folks have talked about. So home runs have not been flying out as frequently. I think he certainly could get 30. Uh, and that would be, I mean, I'll take that. Uh, from Ronald Acuna, if he can give me 30-30, that doesn't happen very often in Major League Baseball. I think uh, that would be a big he's already, he's already done 30-30, right? Hasn't he yeah, he has. Yes. 40-40's only happened a handful of times. I think maybe like four or five times has 40-40 happened. So he, I, I don't know if he's going to have enough time. Again, yeah, yeah, he, I say that, have, not, not this year. Leave that alone this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 30, 30, we could do that. I think given the time he missed and the time he's getting off now, it's going to be t- – I mean, he'd have to really go on – a, a tear. I mean, you're talking about here we are mid-May, about June, July, August, September. So we'd still have four full months of uh, of baseball left to go. I mean, he'd have to hit, what, eight or nine homers a month uh, to get in there. Right now he's got two uh, to get to 40. So that'd be, And again, I don't know if he'll get 40 stolen bases, but man, what a dynamic that brings to the table if he's able to do that. I mean, and again, Christian and I were talking about this earlier today, just a dynamic of Baseball has kind of disappeared. Teams just don't steal uh, anymore and put pressure on uh, on the defense. And again, if he brings that to the table, that is yet another weapon uh, for the Braves to take advantage of. But no Acuna in there uh, tonight. It'll be Nate Evaldi against Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson looking for his fourth win of the season. If he can get it tonight, and Braves would love to take one of two from the Red Sox. Appreciate Kelly Quinlan of Jackets Online for joining us here on the program. If you missed any portion of the show, go to ESPNCoastal.com. Uh, or Facebook and Twitter, get the uh, the Apple podcast, get the podcasted version of the show. We'll see you tomorrow. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.